0: It's 106 miles to Chicago We got a full tank of gas Half a pack of cigarettes It's dark And we're wearing sunglasses
1: Hit
2: it
3: Hello America It's me, your you present, president, your commander in chief of the world. And I'm here at my, my ranch here in Crawford, Texas, just, just taking a little R&R, you know, relaxing, growing out my soul patch, playing a little Frisbee golf with Condi Rice and Dick Cheney, having a good time, but, but still keeping my eye on the ball. And there's an issue that has come to my attention, the issue of the so-called global warmings that are happening on our, our planet for centuries the rays of the sun have warmed the surface of our earth's crust and uh, apparently those rays are are intensifying in such a way that uh... it's increasing lava flows and uh... cut i'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, i don't know what the hell i'm talking about global warming is an issue that my administration is is very concerned about deeply, deeply in a deep kind of concerned way. It's uh. I don't. I start my day and I think about the warming of the globe and how we can get it warmer. God. Rest assured that the issue of global warming is something that my administration takes very seriously. The not right now, Condi. Cut. We'll play later. I'm sure by now. You've all heard what liberal scientists are trying to say. It seems that uh, that liberals and, and godless tax raisers are, are trying to make me look bad by using such things as facts and scientific data. Cut. What? This President, you can't say they're using facts. Right. Because facts are real. They're not disputed. How do you know that? What kind of book is this? Chief? Why didn't you tell me it was a pop-up book? Those things scare the crap out of me. I don't think that's the kind of science book we're looking for. We're talking about global you, Well, what kind of science book would you suggest? There's, there's a lot of books. There. One filled with facts, maybe? Yes. Yeah. I bet you'd like that. When you think back to biblical times, when Adam and Eve talked to that snake 6,000 years ago, when the world was created, it was hot back then, too. Why do you think Adam and Eve were naked? See what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. You know, you didn't, you didn't hear Adam and Eve running around talking about emission standards or hybrid cars. In fact, Adam and Eve drove an excursion. Cut. Let's talk about something that's, that really matters, like keeping steroids out of T-ball. Cut. I think the polar ass caps suck. Who cares about having a place where a bunch of penguins can have an orgy? Cut. Global warming, don't worry about it. We've got a beat on this thing. We're going to, you know, we just need to get nature to cooperate with us. We don't need to listen to nature. Nature needs to listen to us. Cut.
2: This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to, not live with Lou any longer, but you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and you're you're connecting to us through nohostagesradio.com and anything else we're able to connect you to once you go there. We're still trying to put all these uh, aspects together so you can connect with us. You may have just stumbled onto us, but we uh, have been doing radio for five years uh, through the traditional means at a radio station in Northern California, or what we like to call the State of Jefferson, and uh, we decided to make a switch here in late January, and so if if we just disappeared on you, we apologize, but it was sort of out of our control. And so we've been debating what to do since then, since the end of January, and this is our first podcast, and so we are patching this together the best we can and and learning how to do this. When I say we, that would be me, because I'm going to end up being running this whole system as opposed to uh, before, just getting on the air and talking. So uh, I know a few of you have been following me, contacting me through all the phone, uh, text, Facebook, etc. So we'll have all these ways to connect with me in the future. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier, nohostagesradio.com, you can go there. That's a website that we'll be hosting this podcast from. And there'll be other ways to connect with us and on apps and where you can connect with us on your phone. We won't have any glitches like in the past where we occasionally the uh we wouldn't have the internet available for you. So for those that are listening out of state or out of the area, uh you'll be you should be always able to connect with us loud and clear. And if you want to text me, you can reach me at 530-713-1838. Five three zero seven one three eighteen thirty eight. I'll repeat that later as well. So uh, thanks so much for all of you uh, that uh, have listened for so many years, and uh, for those of you that know others that have been listening, pass the word uh, that we're up and going again. If you care to listen, we'll try to post this uh, every by every saturday like we used to do a show every saturday morning we'll try to get it up for for those that want to listen on saturdays but of course you can listen any time of the night or day any day of the week and if we decide to do an extra show uh you can be alerted to that through an app so uh like in the past where we do get some support that's how we uh stay on the air pay our it used to be we paid the radio station uh, now we just pay the costs of the Internet and the different services that are helping us uh, be on the air and, and being uh, quality and looking sharp, being sharp. And so I want to uh, just recognize the folks that have kind of stuck with us through this uh, sabbatical, if you will, or time out. And that's uh, Elite Universal Security. And they're up here in Northern California in Yuba County. We're broadcasting out of Yuba County. And uh, Elite Universal Security is a security business that takes care of uh, private property. Uh, If you need your house checked, or you need your business checked, or you need any kind of services, uh, they can provide that for you today. Uh, Like on their website at EliteUniversalSecurity.com, they say at one time uh, security business was kind of a luxury for some people. Now it's uh, sort of a Something that everybody needs some help with with all the uh, criminal activity going on. And uh you can reach them at 749-0280, 749-0280. That's a 530 area code. They're they're located up and down the north state, all the way up into Shasta County, Butte County, Yuba and Sutter County. If you're looking for a job, they'll hire you. All you have to do is go through some of their training. And they will do all the training for you, train you on how to get all the licenses to be involved in the security business. And uh, the other thing that's uh, cool about their operation, if you've ever tried to get a live scan and you had to go to the sheriff's department or something like that and go on certain days at certain times, they can just get you done any day of the week. So you can call them up and pop in there and uh, get a live scan done. You can also get your concealed weapons permit uh, licenses and your renewals done, and they're coming up with a uh, a weekend April thirteenth and fourteenth uh, and you can get signed up for that by calling seven four nine zero two eight zero and they will help you get a renewal they'll train you and get all your certificates and how to use a gun, go out to the range, everything you need. They also have all kinds of classes as I mentioned, and you can contact them and so maybe you're not old enough to uh, become a deputy or a police officer, but you want to get some training, handcuff training, pepper spray training, taser, all that kind of stuff. They do all that, all those things. So we want to thank them for being a, a reliable and faithful supporter of us. And uh, that's Monty Hecker, and they're located out here in Yuba County. So the other the other group that uh, helps us is Dave Greenitz Construction and uh, they have a, an amazing website, GreenitzConstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end. And Dave Greenitz is the founder, and he's still leading the charge for Greenitz Construction. Uh, and so, as I mentioned, their website is amazing. And if I've never uh, actually lived in a house with that kind of kitchen and bathroom and all the—when they get done remodeling— it's like state-of-the-art. The only problem they ever have is when people go to use the bathroom after they remodel it, people don't want to leave. They just want to camp there, move in. and. Uh, but you can go on their website. Those photos are not Photoshopped or borrowed from the Internet. They're actually jobs they did. It will amaze you. Uh, right off that website, you can send them an email. So if you don't want to talk to them first, you just want to snoop around, you can snoop around their website, greenitsconstruction.com and then you can shoot them an email and tell them what kind of uh, job you want to do if you want to do a remodel or, or a, a just focus on the kitchen or the bath or you want to put a deck on they do amazing decks or they do uh, exhaust systems exhaust fans uh, where you can get the heat out of the house and cut down on your utility bill so I'll cover some of the others late, later, but I want to thank you again for checking in with us. Hopefully, uh, this will go okay today. If not, we'll, we were just talking. Uh, I got Tanner next to me here uh, with the doing the technical part of it, and so we're kind of doing a radio format today. But we may dial it back if we don't like the way it sounds and uh, change it up a little bit. So I wanted to mention. Uh probably if you're up in the north state still some of you have moved out of the north state and you're over in Idaho. Uh so I give a shout out to all our Idaho folks that are transplants or refugees now from California, but about 2 years ago this time of year we had a uh, a major evacuation where almost 200,000 people uh were told to leave. And that the Oroville Dam was failing, the spillway was coming apart at the seams, so to speak, and then they had an emergency spillway that they tried to use that had never been used in the life of the dam, which uh, was built in the 60s, 1960s. And the state of California had not done proper maintenance on the dam, and so the spillway came—the main spillway was coming apart. Chunks of it were coming right out of the floor of the spillway and and then filling up the river down below. And when they tried to not use the main spillway and then move the water, let the water go over the emergency spillway, it it immediately eroded— uh, the side of the hill, uh, because it was improperly built. So it was, a, it was a huge mess. A couple hundred thousand people had to leave for a week or so. But what happened was the, the state came in with the emergency uh, repairs, and they predicted that there was going to be a $500,000 or a half million dollar uh, or half billion dollar, a $500 million, half billion dollar uh, repair to be done on that uh, dam. It turned out to be, after they finished it recently, a 1.1 billion dollar repair. And recently, there there were uh, they just started releasing water uh, for the first time since uh, Feb in February 2017. And so this past week they started releasing water and they just, they were, uh, if you'll remember back in 2017, they were letting 60,000 cubic feet a second to get that lake to go down. But the other day they were just letting a little water out and it wasn't a test. They were actually trying to get rid of some water and get it in the river. So they were letting just 3,300 cubic feet per second. The interesting thing to me about the whole article was how, how much work they actually did on the dam. So when they got to got started working on the dam in the spillway, they realized that there were a lot, a lot worse condition than they expected. The original estimate of a half, half a billion dollars was way short. So let me just, these numbers just startled me. So I'm just going to cover this and then we'll move on to another topic. They used, uh, 12.4 12.4 million pounds of rebar i don't know whether you've ever used rebar before i have and uh, out at the church i attend we've cons- built the buildings and we put rebar in the foundation of course and uh, we've bought a lot of rebar but not anything like a million pounds or 12.4 million pounds of steel rebar uh this spillway is a half mile long a spillway um uh, it's now, uh, the width of it is the width of a 15-lane freeway. Now, I've never even been on a 15-lane freeway, but that's the way they describe it. It averages the base of it when you, if you were to walk on it. In fact, I saw a picture, a guy, uh, when they let the water down, a surfer got up there and surfed the spillway the other day. And so uh, the thickness of the floor of the spillway is seven and a half feet thick. Now, I don't know whether you remember when they showed the broken spillway and they showed a cutaway of the floor of the spillway. It looked like in some places it was only about a foot thick, but they said that in the original design of the spillway, it was supposed to be two and a half feet thick in the 1960s version. Now that doesn't seem like a lot, does it, for that amount of water and that amount of weight coming down for a, a spillway that's a half mile long? But instead of two and a half feet, they now the bottom of the spillway is seven and a half feet deep or thick with concrete. It's a, to me, I was just shocked to read that, and it has the capability of not just handling sixty thousand cubic feet, like last in two thousand. 2017, uh, February, they put 60,000 cubic feet down there. Or the other day, they just sent 3,300 cubic feet down to relieve some of the, the water, but it has the ability to handle 270,000 cubic feet of water per second, which I, I can't even imagine that. So, um, it, it actually, the operators say they expect to release, uh, that, far more than what it used to used to be able to release. And, uh, it has 56% increase from the capacity of the old chute, uh, which only could handle 160,000. So anyway, about twice, right? Anyway, I thought it was a great, um, uh, uh, you know, lots of, there were, there were, uh, w- naysayers saying that this uh, free, this, uh, spillway was going to collapse. And, uh, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. But, they spent a lot more money than we thought and it needed it. The sad thing is that it, it looks like the, although the state of California doesn't want to talk about it, uh, the independent engineers that came in to look at what was done said that it was inadequately designed in the beginning. And, uh, also, It had not been properly maintained. So the new 3000 foot long spillway has steel pillars anchoring the structure 15 to 25 feet deep into the bedrock. The old spillway only had five feet deep tie downs. So uh, there may be somebody that would say, oh, that's not enough yet. But I think it's a big difference. So I thought that was fascinating. We were uh, a lot of us. That listened to this show or are a part of this show uh, were a part of that evacuation and it was pretty gnarly up here. So uh, I'll just leave that with you. I wanted to mention this a story I read uh, that depicts the difference between conservatism and being a liberal it said a woman was in a hot air balloon. And she realized she was lost. So she lowered her altitude and she spotted a man fishing from a boat below. So she shouted to him, excuse me, can you help me? I promised a friend I would meet him an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. The man consulted his GPS (coughs) and uh, he said, well, you're in a hot air balloon approximately 30 feet above the ground, elevation 23. 2,346 feet above sea level. You're at 31 degrees, 14.97 minutes north latitude and 100 degrees, 49.09 minutes west longitude. She rolls her eyes and said, you must be a Republican. He said, I am. How did you know? Well, she says, everything you tell me is technically correct, but I have no idea what to do with your information. I'm still lost. Frankly, you're not much help to me at all. The man smiles and responds, well, you must be a Democrat. I am, she said. How did you know? Well, he said, you don't know where you are, and you don't know where you're going. You've risen, to where you are, you've risen to where you are due to a large amount of hot air. You made a promise that you have no idea how to keep, and now you expect me to solve your problem. You're in exactly the same position you were, you were in before we met. But somehow, now it's become my fault. I'll give you one more story that I thought was cute, and then we're going to get into some other gnarly stuff. Uh, This guy says, My neighbors aren't speaking to me anymore. Recently, while I was working in the flower beds in the front yard, my neighbors stopped to chat as they returned home from walking their dog. During our friendly conversation, I asked their little girl what she wanted to be when she grew up. She said, I want to be president someday. Both of her parents, uh, Democrat Party members, were standing there. So I asked her, if you were president, what would be the first thing you would do? She, She said, I'd give food and houses to all the homeless people. Her parents beamed with pride. Wow, what a worthy goal, I said. But you don't have to wait until you're president to do that. What do you mean, she said. So I told her, you can come over to my house and mow the lawn, pull weeds, trim my hedge, and I'll pay you $50. Then you can go over to the grocery store where the homeless guy hangs out, and you can give him the $50 to use towards food and a new house. She thought that over for a few seconds. Then she looked me straight in the eye and asked, why doesn't the homeless guy come over and do the work, and you can just pay him the $50? I said, welcome to the Republic Party. And uh, her parents don't speak to me anymore. Well, uh, again, if you just uh, tuned in, this is uh, No Hostage Radio. This is Lou Benninger. And uh, this is this, the uh, Lou Benninger Live with Lou uh, 2.0, maybe, now called No Hostages Radio. I want to bring up a situation that came up in the, uh, this week up in uh, Yuba County. Yuba County is one of 58 counties in California it's a rural county we call it up here in the state of jefferson and um we had a situation happened where a juvenile hall teacher that we have a tri-county juvenile hall it covers kids from takes care of kids from calusa butte sorry calusa sutter and yuba county and uh They're in charge of taking care of those youngsters while they do their time or wait to go to court, et cetera, et cetera. But while they're in juvenile hall, the Yuba County Office of Education provides education for them on a half-day basis right in the juvenile hall facilities. So uh, the headline in the local paper this, uh, this, this week and today's paper is the latest article. It says, Juvenile Hall Teacher Inmate Married. So fascinating. Uh, What happened was that this juvenile hall teacher, 41-year-old woman, became sounds like she became infatuated with a 17-year-old boy, and uh, it doesn't get into the details of their relationship other than say it was a romantic relationship. So Heather Fry, F-R-E-Y, 41 of Chico, uh, became fond of this young man, and uh, he was in uh locked up because he was involved in a murder and so when he became 18 in juvenile hall they transferred him out of juvenile hall a few blocks away to the yuba county jail in the meantime it it came uh it surfaced that this woman uh actually had gone over to the jail like some people do some people are headed to prison and they want to get married before they go to prison And that happens sometimes down in the visiting area of the jail. You can do that if you want. So this woman and this young man decided, uh, 41 for the lady, 18 for the guy, that they were going to get married. And lo and behold, there is a marriage certificate showing that they got married over there at the jail. Well, it presents a problem. And the problem is that teachers and other government employees that uh, work with inmates are not supposed to, what they call, fraternize. And I've got some personal experience on this, I'm going to explain in a second, but they're not supposed to fraternize. In other words, they're not supposed to enter into any personal relationship other than the professional relationship of a counselor, a guard, officer, teacher, etc. And they're not supposed to have any other kind of relationship, uh, but it should be a professional relationship. Obviously, this woman... Uh, entered into some other type of relationship. The details aren't portrayed yet because everybody's saying this is confidential information. The interesting thing about the lady, from what I found out, is that in a in her past life, she claimed she was the, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I thought that was an interesting twist. And she's also a big fan of the Burning Man festivities over in... in uh, Nevada so she seemed like a very interesting person I have never met her although I was the interesting thing for me is I was on this school board for about 12 years or so and uh, we were over all these kids that are being educated here in the juvenile hall and at the court school at T.E. Matthews and also um, at the charter school uh, just down the street from where I dwell uh, called the Yuba County Career Preparatory Charter School and So it's kind of fascinating that uh, that this all has taken place and uh, I'm going to I'm going to transition to a little break right now. And then I'm going to tell you the rest of the story when I come back that probably should get a lot of people's attention because it gets a little more squirrely than we've already been thus far. So we'll be right back.
4: I'm a good person. I never bother anybody. But I can't afford a nice house in a safe neighborhood. I live in a government high-rise. Gang bangers and drug dealers walk down our halls every day. My neighbors and I were scared. We called the police, but they can't keep us safe. Some of us are too afraid to even leave our apartments. But the housing authority told me, if I bought a gun to protect myself, they throw me to the streets. If I'm not free because of my address today, what makes you think you'll be free tomorrow? I marched behind Martin Luther King at Selma. I know my rights. Now I have my gun. I am the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place.
5: The science is conclusive. This is a human life and an abortion ends that human life. We can reject this narrative, that we have to take a life in our womb in order to succeed. No, we can do better than that. We can reject killing as a path to empowerment, and we can instead embrace ourselves, embrace our own motherhood, and embrace new life when it comes. My name is Lila Rose, and I am the founder and president of Live Action, which is the nation's largest online platform for the pro-life movement. It's amazing how many people don't realize that at literally four weeks, a heart is already beating, and most women don't even know they're pregnant yet, that by the end of the first trimester After just 10 to 12 weeks all the internal organs are already there and the arms and the legs and the in the fingers and the toes of this human life I think when more women are aware of the development of the child in the womb they are are floored and think wow this is this is a human life and is it really going to make me better off to go to an abortion facility go to a clinic and have an abortion is that really going to make me better off it's not only ending a life but is this really good for me there are many health risks to abortion macro studies done globally about the damage that abortion does to women, both physically and emotionally, but it also leaves behind this great sense of loss, loss for both a woman and a man, whoever are the parents of that child. And that's something that unfortunately today, the so-called women's movement, Planned Parenthood, these groups that claim to speak for women, they don't acknowledge that that grief and that loss. Instead, they tout abortion as something that's empowering, that ending a life, taking a human life would somehow empower. But we know because of these brave women and their stories that it doesn't empower, that it hurts, and that we as women deserve so much better than abortion, and we have to do better than abortion for women and children and families.
6: As you've just heard, my wife and I are the parents of six children. If you look closely at the screen, you'll also note something interesting about my family, and that is that my six children are all daughters. This is Chanel uh, with a couple of her friends in, in our kitchen goofing off, and Chanel's just turned 17. I was driving to work with her, and I could tell as she drove that she was not happy. It might have been the way that she revved through the six gears on her way to top speed in the 60 zone, and, and, and she just wasn't happy. And, and I commented, I said, Chanel, you seem like you're unhappy. And she rolled her eyes, and I said, I get a sense that you're unhappy with me. And she said, yes, Dad, I am. And I said, I'm so glad that you've told me that. Could you tell me why? She said, well, Sure today I found out that two weeks ago all of my friends had a party and they didn't invite me and I only just found out about it today and when I asked them why they didn't invite me they said well because it was the kind of party that Dr. Justin Coulson wouldn't have approved of (sighs) and for those of you for whom the penny didn't drop I'm Dr. Justin Coulson and and Straight away, I felt so bad for her. I thought, oh my goodness, my, my parenting is causing my daughter to be ostracized and isolated and to feel horrible and to miss out on opportunities to be with her friends. But do I want her to have those opportunities? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, you know, if they didn't invite you to a party that I wouldn't approve of, it sounds like there probably were a few things going on that are not consistent with our values. Uh, was there alcohol being consumed and potentially misused? She said, yes. I said, were there other drugs being consumed and potentially misused she said almost certainly i said were people disappearing into rooms for intimate encounters that they may or may not regret the next day she said possibly i said well i'm really glad you weren't there and so i said do we need to revisit the rules she looked at me she said dad i know why we have the rules i've been part of the conversations remember I said, uh, okay i said i want to ask you a tough question you're nearly an adult you're a year and a bit off being an adult now i think these are good rules but do we need to rethink the rules? And then I waited and my heart pounded. And eventually she said, Dad, I don't like the rules. And my heart stopped. And I said, "Uh." And I started to think of how to respond. And as I was thinking, she jumped in and added something else for me. She said, right now, Dad, I don't like the rules one little bit. but they're good rules. I think we should keep them. This is the kind of line that every parent dreams of hearing from their kids. <laughs> the heavens opened and the angels started singing. And I just wanted to hug her. I was like, yes. If you paid attention to the story, you don't get it by saying, well, damn it, they're good rules and I expect that you will keep them. That's part of being in this family. That's called control. And that's not how we get to this point instead we get it through this thing called autonomy force creates resistance but great relationships build autonomy which allows us to leverage trust which builds massive influence thank you
2: right, we're back. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. If you're new to this, uh, we're new to this as well. And we're moving over from five years of doing traditional radio in Northern California. We call it the State of Jefferson up here. We're in Yuba County, and uh, we're now doing a podcast. We'll be on weekly And we were just talking while we were uh, running some of these clips for you that uh, the easiest way right at this point to get a hold of us is to go on to nohostagesradio.com. Or if you go on your app, uh, whatever traditional app uh, you reach uh, out through, you can connect with No Hostages Radio. Just go to that and then send us an email if you wish that way. And I mentioned earlier that you can always text me if you have something to say about what you're listening to, 530-713-1838. So you can reach us off our website, nohostagesradio.com, or you can go to your app, uh, wherever your apps are, however you get to them, and go to No Hostages Radio and connect with the with us that way and then just you could send us a message if you wanted so we were talking before we took a break uh about uh incident at juvenile hall and at any uh institution where there uh, people are incarcerated uh where in law enforcement is involved or even uh teachers and and people are in control over uh young people or adults there are rules uh of engagement and those rules are dictated uh, by what we call uh, PREA. And that is, um, let me see if I can find it here. It's Prison Rape Elimination Act. Prison Rape Elimination Act. It was uh, passed in September fourth, two 2003. And all of the institutions in America operate under this uh, This act uh, founded by the uh, Bush administration, George Bush, and it was a way that officers and counselors and teachers and anybody involved in these institutions could protect the people that are uh, are living in them. So uh, I was talking uh, before the break, if you just came in, about an incident in Juvenile Hall in the uh, Yuba County area. It's a it's a tri-county juvenile hall, Yuba, Sutter, and Calusa, where an, a minor was uh, in a relationship with a 41-year-old teacher, that is now being a, evaluated, investigated, because the word word uh, uh, came out that before the youngster turned 18 and moved over to the jails, before he could go to prison for manslaughter. Uh, this teacher had a relationship with him. And when he became 18 and went over to the jail, she went over and, and during a visiting time, married the fellow, which is a fascinating phenomenon in itself, but uh, it's not against the law, but, but uh, fraternizing, they call it uh, is against the law and uh, you can get yourself fired and sometimes arrested. Now uh, a few years ago, There was another incident under the Yuba County Office of Education who provides the education to the juvenile hall and actually to the jail for uh, adult ed classes where a woman, a young woman, uh, I think she was in her mid-twenties, named Laura Lasek, had sexual relations with a a boy that was under 16 years of age and ended up getting arrested and and fired. So I'm bringing this up because uh, the very people... In education, that, and uh, in oversight in prisons and jails, the very and and in schools oversight of people, either incarcerated or they're mandated to attend school, the very people that should be in oversight, are are not not behaving uh, in in a uh, in a charactered fashion, and it's interesting that it's the the pattern of behavior of people in control. It isn't up to just somebody to come up with the rules, but there's actually very fast and hardened rules uh, that have been set down. And what I mentioned is you can look this up, you can Google it, the PREA, P-R-E-A, Prison Rape Elimination Act. And the reason this is interesting to me is I conduct uh, classes in the Yuba County Jail for inmates. It's uh, also a deportation facility for ICE. Uh, holding facilities, so there's local inmates and uh, foreign inmates, and uh, so this last week before this incident happened, uh, or it was discovered in juvenile hall, I was asked by the jail to attend a four-hour training on PRIA, Prison Rape Elimination Act, and it and it taught us. Uh, I was the only non-employee there, but since I do a lot of classes in the jail with other volunteers. They wanted me to understand what the rules are because they apply to everybody. And I I was kind of dreading the course because four hours, a government course, they're fairly boring. But the two guys that put it on, two sergeants from the jail, did a great job. Uh, And it was a very interesting course because uh, as I listened to the rules uh, of engagement or behavior that people in in control or authority are supposed to— a display. I was thinking about different agencies in our community that weren't displaying them at all. So a few years ago, we had Carl Adams, District Attorney of Sutter County, uh, for instance. One of the sergeants asked the the group of about twenty of us. They said, uh, "Have you ever worked or been in a sexually charged work environment?" And a couple people, I think, raised their hand. And but I was thinking of the Carl Adams district attorney office in Sutter County, which was extremely sexually charged and uh, with people having sex with each other, as well as funky emails and trash talk and sexual harassment uh, and on and on and on. I won't go back and rehearse all those things, but I but I also was thinking about uh, the incident uh, a few years ago in the Thomas E. Matthews Court School, where the, the young woman was having sex with an underage boy. Uh, the county got sued at that time. And, but, but there was also a situation where uh, a code enforcement officer got into it with a supposed homeless person, a person whose vehicle needed to be moved. And uh there it wasn't a sexual harassment, but the language. It, it it during this training, the PREA training, they talked about the language in law enforcement that, that people use and what isn't acceptable language and how to get people to do what you want without dropping the F bomb and cussing them out and, and uh getting weird. So it it was an interesting course as a backdrop to what's been going on uh and what has been discovered now, at least it appears to have happened in juvenile hall in in the education part of juvenile hall which is not the main hall so whether or not they were engaging in sexual uh, relations i have no idea but maybe they'll get to the bottom of it but the other part that i mentioned before the break uh in the uh we took a break here and played a few clips is that when they put the lady, the 41-year-old lady, on administrative leave, which is common to do in these cases. They pay her to not work. They uh, needed a substitute, of, and of all people, uh, they hired a guy named Jim Whitaker. And Jim Whitaker um, was in the news almost every single week for quite a while because he was accused in the uh, Yuba City Unified School District and specifically at Yuba City High School for fondling uh, uh, a young woman, a a student. And after that incident uh, came to the surface, uh, other women began to come forward uh, before the school board of Yuba City. And I can't recall how many, but if you wanted to dig through the articles or, or maybe there's some old video, you could probably count them. But I was thinking a dozen or more. And actually, I talked to three, not young women or young girls, but I talked to three adult women who went to school there probably 15 years ago and now are married and professional women and jobs and, and uh, have their own children and have, have, have husbands. And, and they contacted me because I was writing articles in the Territorial Dispatch uh, and you could look at that at territorial on the internet if you want to see articles there. But I was writing articles, so these women contacted me saying, Hey, uh, I just want to let you know that I also was fondled or molested by Jim Whitaker when I was a teenager uh, at Yuba City High School. And so many of these women came forward and actually appeared before the school board as adult ladies now not to sue anybody, not to try to get any money, not to become famous, not to write a book, but just simply to say, how come after 20 to 25 years of uh, teaching, he hasn't been removed when we have one woman after another woman after another woman after another woman uh, complains to the administration, complains to the Yuba city police department, complains, 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 and nothing really is done. And so finally the, uh, the attorneys, uh, under the advice of the attorneys of the school district, they dismissed, uh, Jim Whitaker. Uh, so that was a great relief to many people, uh, who had been abused by him. So, uh, but what was disappointing, and I'm going to talk more about this after we get done with this local situation, is the state of the public schools in the state of California. So I was on the school board for, I think, three or four terms, four-year terms, and you always have attorneys at your hip and advisors because there's so many laws. that You're dealing with the teachers' union. is very litigious. It's very methodical on how you have to discipline somebody, dismiss somebody, etc. The attorneys you have aren't just willy-nilly attorneys. They're usually specialists in uh school affairs, uh school business, uh, and the unions, etc. And so to have these attorneys advise the, the trustees to dismiss uh Whitaker, uh, they would not have done that or they would have been sued and lost if they wouldn't have had something to go on. Now when it, went, it got into the paper that Jim Whitaker and his attorney, uh, they responded to the accusations. They said uh, that as soon as we get into court, uh, these uh, these accusations are going to not amount to anything and my client will be uh, found innocent. The fact is that they never did go to court. They, uh, they went passively, uh, walked away from the job. But the interesting thing is when it got to the state level with with uh, Whitaker's teaching credential, the state allowed him to keep his teaching credential in spite of the district having all these accusations against him, even though he was never he never was tried in a court of law. Uh, And maybe that's the district attorney of Sutter County's fault or the police department's fault. Whitaker's father for many, many years. I have seven, maybe 17, 18 years, uh, was the sheriff of Sutter County during his beginning of his teaching career. Now, what's interesting is that uh, if you're not familiar with this area here, there's Yuba and Sutter counties, which are side by side, sister counties separated by a river. And it, if you flew over in an airplane, you would just think it's one community. So, what goes on in one com- community usually is felt by the other communities. So the fact that the Yuba County Office of Education hired Jim Whitaker after him being fired for uh, sexual improprieties in Yuba City uh, Unified School District is totally fascinating, particularly when they hired him after they put a person on leave for sexual improprieties, in essence. So uh, we had heard that... uh, Jim Whitaker had been given uh, temporary teaching jobs like substitute jobs up in the Live Oak School District and over in Calusa. But for him to show up the the uh, coincidence, if you want to call it that, of him showing up in a job opportunity for Yuba, Yuba County Office of Education, right on top of them dismissing a person for the same type of charges, sexual impropriety, Uh, After just a few years ago, the Yuba County Office of Education being sued by uh, by the parents of a young boy who enjoyed sex with his teacher. Uh, It just to me, it's mind boggling after serving on that board for so many years. But that's the latest on Jim Whitaker. And from what I understand, the employees over there at the school say that he's basically saying that uh, he was falsely accused Uh, It was all a bunch of lies, and he's been a guy that uh, had his career ruined because of uh, people's indiscretion and dishonesty. So I'll just leave that with you. But I wanted to go on, and I wrote an article for the Territorial Dispatch this week. It's, It's on the Internet. If you're out and about and away from getting a hard copy, they give them away free, or you can subscribe to them. Uh, the territorial dispatch, but I wrote an article called the, the, education, uh, plantation in California. And I talked about, uh, the difficulties in the school system here and how the schools are failing in the state. And, uh, and then at the end, uh, how, the, well, first of all, Tony Thurmond, who is a new superintendent of schools for the state of California said that Competition is fine in other areas of life, but it's not fine when it comes to schools. He doesn't want any competition as long as he's leading the schools. Uh, and so, my suggestion in the article was that maybe all union teachers should not have to in the uh, choice of uh, opportunity to choose between the restaurants they go to, the houses they buy. Uh, or anything else, where they buy cars, maybe they should just have one place that they buy all their stuff, and that's it, instead of offering them a choice if they think that choice is such a bad idea. But the other interesting thing in line with this, uh, so I call it the sexualization of our schools, and uh, on May 8th and 9th, the, they're, just like you have a board of education at the county level and then each district has a board of education or what we call a school board where people run for office and are elected to those boards and so they oversee uh, salary negotiations and some curriculum discussions and dismissals and suspensions and all those kind of things well there's a state board of education in the state of california and on may 8th and 9th They're going to be uh, voting on a sex education framework that's going to affect everyone here in the Yuba-Sutter County area and throughout the state. And uh, the draft that they are going to be discussing recommends the book, Who Are You? And it's for pre-K, that's pre-kindergarten up through third graders, uh, as a guide to develop their gender identity. Now Now, I want you to think of your third grader. The book explains to these children that gender is is not male and female, but it's a spectrum and it's unlimited and ever expanding. And rather than two biological sexes, male and female, boy and girl, uh, we could have both. You could be both at the same time. Neither trans, gender, queer, non-binary, gender, fluid, transgender, gender, neutral, agender, bigender, third gender, two spirit and on and on. The the draft describes sexual orientation as fluid. In other words, it could change as you go along. And um, so the LGBTQ plus is noted as an ever changing spectrum of expanding concepts to include queer questioning, intersex, asexual allies and alternative identities. Now, if you're an adult and you're getting your head swimming right now, I want this is for third graders. On down to pre-K, I want you to think about what your kindergartner acts like, and they're going to try to offload this baloney onto the kids. Now, there's a group called Informed Parents of California. It's a group of over 13,000 people probably by now, but they put together a 24-page summary of the guidelines. Why am I spending so much time on this? Well, because your kids, most of your kids are in government schools. And they're being forced to be there unless you want to pay to have them in a private school. After you pay once already for taxes for public schools, then you get to pay a second time to go private. So these guidelines, uh, this 24 page summary put out by this advocacy group for parents, covers K through sixth graders and uh, includes some of the supplemental materials. Lessons for six year olds, not sixth graders, but six year olds offer details about sex like, quote, The man's penis goes into the woman's vagina and quote, the sperm can swim out through the small opening in the man's penis and into the woman's vagina. That's in a six year old booklet. I want you to think about that and think, is that okay for my child? And if not, what am I going to do about it? A book for third graders shows a drawing of a penis, ejaculating sperm while inserted into a vagina. Another book introduces 10 year olds to anal sex and the slang for male and female genitals. Now, uh, this is coming your way. So you want to pay attention to maybe anything, any state news, state capital news, just an hour from us on May 8 and 9. So uh, Lily Garcia, she's National Education Association president. It's one of the biggest teachers unions in the country. She read sections of a a book called I Am Jazz, J-A-Z-Z, about a sexually confused child to a kindergarten class in Arlington, Virginia. That's interesting. And uh, parents there, uh, rightly so, had a fit. And uh, if you remember, the National Education Association is fond of people like Kevin Jennings Kevin is the founder and may still be president of Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, or what we call Gleason, G-L-S-E-N. The group conduct—if you'll remember, when he was involved with the Obama administration, it, it became known as somebody secretly filmed a conference at Tufts, T-U-F-T-S, University of Massachusetts, in March 2000, of—it the. It was called the Fistgate Conference— And their state employees gave graphic instructions about fisting and other forms of sexual activity to children as young as 12. This was a a conference with children there, and they discussed fisting. So there's lots of going on. We got James Whitaker, the revival of Jim Whitaker, who is teaching now at... uh, Juvenile Hall, teaching kids uh, juvenile hall, although he was kicked to the curb for sexual improprieties in Yuba City. Now he's uh, redeemed himself and is good to go, and now is filling in for a lady who may have had sex. We don't know, but she ended up marrying uh, a boy that she began a relationship with as a minor in Juvenile Hall. So we're going to uh, take a break, listen to a couple of clips here, and we'll be back. In a few
6: minutes me
7: The movie Unplanned rocked the box office on opening weekend despite an all-out assault by the abortion industry and their lap dogs. The movie tells the true story of Abby Johnson, who used to run one of Planned Parenthood's largest abortion clinics, before becoming a pro-life activist after she witnessed a 13-week abortion in person. The indie film raked in more than six million on opening weekend, more than double the projections, and landed the number five spot at the box office despite only being released in about a thousand select theaters. And the left hates it. In what we're all supposed to think was an accident, Twitter suspended the Unplanned Movies account on opening night, saying that the account violated Twitter's terms of service. Only after a public outcry did the social media platform restore the account, saying that they had reversed their decision after further review, but never explaining why they'd suspended the account in the first place. And that was only the beginning. Hundreds of people have been complaining that every time they tried to follow the Unplanned Movie's Twitter account, they were automatically unfollowed within seconds, including the very actress who starred in the film. At one point, the Unplanned Movie's Twitter page dropped from nearly 50,000 followers to less than 300. Later, it dropped from 170,000 to 25,000. Now Twitter called this an error. And we've been told that over and over and over again, that these platforms are unbiased, that they don't disable accounts or tinker with people's followers based on someone's point of view. But it's funny how these glitches only seem to happen to accounts that the left doesn't like. And it's a pattern. Kind of like how Twitter lets Planned Parenthood plaster propaganda all over their website, but still won't let pro-life groups like Live Action run paid ads on their platform. Or how YouTube immediately changed their video suggestions after a pro-abortion writer complained that the live abortion procedures on the video platform were too graphic. As though we're all supposed to believe abortion is just a big hug that ends in a poof of glitter. Or how not a single major TV network other than Fox News would agree to run ads for Unplanned. And how the movie received an R rating despite the fact that it contains no nudity, no language, no sexuality, and no graphic violence. So apparently a 16-year-old girl can have an abortion without parental consent, but she can't go see a movie exposing the truth about it without her mom tagging along. If abortion's really no big deal, if it's just removing a clump of tissue, why all these hoops? See, it's really very simple. The abortion industry and their media sidekicks don't want you to know the truth. Abortion is their religion. It's their cash cow and their holy grail. Without it, their ability to control minorities and manipulate women goes down the drain. But abortion takes a human life every single time. It leaves women broken, it strips men of fatherhood, and it fills dumpsters with bodies of children who didn't get a choice. And this billion dollar industry is absolutely terrified of people like Abby Johnson figuring that out. To which I have just one simple response. Good.
2: All right, welcome back. This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio. We've been talking about schools, and uh, and we also uh, heard a clip there from Ab- about Abby Johnson and the story of her life, and called Unplanned. And uh, if you've got a chance to go see that or have a chance to go see that, watch for it at your uh, local theater. And everybody I know, I haven't been myself, but everybody I know that has seen it, uh, they just said everybody has to go see it. It's a tremendous film, a well-done film. But it, it's typical of any time, any type of uh, pro-life effort. Uh, the media blockades it blocks it, boycotts it, whatever term you want to use. The Internet, uh, different platforms block it. And so that's what happened here. But in spite of that, the word is getting out uh, because of just public discourse, word of mouth. And so uh, go check it out. Uh, Also, I think if you like books, uh, Abby Johnson wrote a book by the same title, uh, Unplanned. We were talking about the sexualization of our children in the public education system in the state of California. You'd think that with the poor scores in the state, they would focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic and uh, maybe critical thinking. But instead, they're teaching kids about sexuality, trying to convert kids to various uh, ways of thinking, revisionist thinking regarding the founding of this country. And so I'm going to follow up the uh, article I was telling you about that I wrote last week about the May 8th and 9th vote by the State of California Board of Education uh, regarding what kind of sex ed they're going to be teaching. I'm going to follow it up now with uh, some statistical uh, information. It's fascinating uh, because the number of students— attending school in the state of California is dropping uh, in a big way. And so 34,135 fewer students uh, were enrolled uh, this school year, uh, 2019, compared to last year. Uh, up until this school year, the biggest single year decline in the past five years has been 8,783 from the 2014-15 to two thousand fifteen-sixteen. 2015-16. So it's a, um, it's about a, a four and a half times increase of loss of students. Where did they go? I'm not quite sure. Some of them went to ch- went to charter schools charter schools had an increase of almost a hundred thousand students from 544,980 to 652,933. So the charter school enrollment is growing. Um, but the uh, some people may just be moving out of state. And I don't know, you know how you read these articles and they talk about these trends, but you really don't know anybody yourself that fits into those trends. So one of the trends is, One of the trends is that people are moving out of state to uh, states like uh, Texas, Arizona, uh, Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Washington, uh, for a variety of reasons. Get away from regulations, uh, small business oppression, uh, wanting to get into a different school system, all the sexualization of kids. Uh, So a lot of people are moving, but not necessarily people with children. But, uh, what, what, uh, is for sure is we keep count of all the kids in our schools because we get paid per day, uh, per student in the seat. So we have a 34,135, uh, shrinkage, which is a lot of money because federal money come in the state of California based upon the number of kids in the seat. Uh, this is interesting Uh, Research shows that by 2030, only one of every five Californians will be a child. I want you to think about that. One of every five Californians will be a child. And the the reason for that is a declining birth rate. Uh, But in comparison, in 1970, uh, one of every three Californians was under 18 years old. So we went from one out of three in 1970 to uh, the projection is 60 years later, one out of five will be a child. So uh, we definitely are not going to need all these schools, uh, these school buildings. I was in uh, doing a project in New York City here a few years ago for a few weeks, and uh, so we were invited to go to a church. We were staying in Queens. We were invited to go to a church uh, over in Harlem, and so we went to this church facility, and uh it was in a huge building that was a nearly a block square and it was an old junior high school uh in the center of Harlem that had been uh abandoned basically by the school district because uh there were no kids there uh there was it was just an adult area of Harlem and so the church took it over and rehabbed all the buildings and it was fantastic but it's uh, just showed the ch- changing demographics in in parts of in parts of Harlem. The other thing this art article focused on in California is the changing demographics. So, uh, right now, uh, we're at about 54% Hispanic in our schools, Latino students and white students have dropped from 24.6 to 22.9%. Uh, and African American students have dropped from six percent to five point four percent. So, more and more the, the the state is becoming Hispanic, and um, and so that also has uh, some challenges because some of them are coming in and they don't know English, and uh, others are coming in and they're they're way behind in school, etc. So, um, the other thing. Uh, what has been the demographics or the surveys have shown that in the state of California, it's some of the richest people, has some of the richest people in the, in the uh, United States and also some of the poorest. In fact, we have more poor in this state than in any other state in the Union. So California has the highest rate of youth poverty and English learners. And uh, the eligibility for free and reduced price meals has increased. From 60.4% of all children uh, in 2014 15 to 60.9%, 60, almost 61% of kids, the, the government doesn't feel uh, they should have them pay for their own food. They just, the government's gonna, you and I are gonna pay for that. So uh, just fascinating. So you might wonder what am I gonna do if you have kids in school, or maybe you have grandkids in school? Uh, or nieces and nephews what 's the alternative? in other words, maybe you can't afford you 're living in one of the most expensive states to live um, housing's incredible. The price of utilities i think p g e is sixty percent higher than other utilities, similar services offered elsewhere, the national average fuel is a dollar more per gallon. Uh, taxes. We just had a one percent tax raise here in Yuba County. It's going to cost you, could cost you a couple, a thousand, two thousand dollars more a year to live in Yuba County as opposed to living in Sutter County. And uh, so, what are you going to do? You, you can you afford to move your kids out of school? And you might think, I don't have time. I got to work full time. I can't homeschool my kids. What am I going to do? So there's a cool website put it, put together by Randy Thomason. It's called rescueyourchild.com, rescueyourchild.com. And uh, you can check that out. And it says his I'm looking at his website. It says train up in child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart for from it. And he has all kinds of resources, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. There just weren't a a lot of resources when people wanted to try to homeschool, even up into the 90s. But with the Internet now and with YouTube, there's all kinds of great resources. And there are charter schools that you can go to. Uh, But he says reasons to be concerned about public schools. I'm going to give you uh, just seven. And then there's more than this. But he just on the front page of this website, on the home page, there's seven. First is homosexual by. sexual, transsexual indoctrination. That's what I'm talking about, May 8th and 9th. Two, abortion indoctrination. Three, condom birth control indoctrination. Four, anti-God, pro-evolution indoctrination. Pro-evolution just means they taught that you came from a monkey. By the way, I teach at a uh, class uh, on the weekends at, at Juvenile Hall, and I, I, every once in a while, maybe every six months, I'll say, how many of you believe you came from a monkey? So far, I've had no kid in juvenile hall volunteer that he believed that some one of his uh, ancestors was a primate number five is political correctness number six dumbed down academics if you if you think oh i think we were i think school was harder back when i was there uh you're right it is a lot harder back then uh in the 60s by the way if you lived around california for a number of years in the 1960s California was rated number one in the United States in school, uh, school performance, and uh, access to education, including university access, college access, but also uh, performance, uh, grades. And uh, today, I think we're we're down at the very bottom, probably lurking around the bottom five of 50 states. Number seven, negative peer pressure. There's more. He gives a lot of... Uh, Uh, ideas on how to uh, do homeschool, church school, start a school, do charter schools, all that kind of stuff. This one lady says, I truly believe that, uh, she said, I'm so thankful that my children have been out of the system for the last two years. a lot of testimonials, and uh, there's clips on indoctrination, all kinds of stuff that will really help get your attention. And if you want to start a parents' group to organize— It it will help you do that. There's another site that Randy Thomason uh, founded, and it's a lobbying group for families in the state of California called SaveCalifornia.com, SaveCalifornia.com. All right. Let's see. Let me get back to my note page. And um, All right. I wanted to talk a second about president trump you remember when president obama was elected and it was just so fascinating to see how no one could figure out where this guy came from what he ever did with his life did he work at burger king you know kentucky fried uh what school did he go to and what were his grades? Remember, we couldn't find out his grades. There was a debate over where he was even born. You just couldn't find out anything about the fellow. And you couldn't find out uh, a graduation certificate, say from which college it was just, uh, you just couldn't find out anything about him. And so um, I was running into look, or I was looking at something the other day and it talked about uh, President Trump uh, being one of the most vetted presidents ever. And it said uh, the Democrat National Committee dug dirt up on him for three years. The media dug dirt on him for three years. The Republican National Committee vetted him for three years. Mueller has been digging up dirt on him for two years, and he was spied on with the highest level In this country with CIA and FBI people, and they still didn't find anything. They know more about this president than any president ever in the history of the United States of America. You know, uh, when I used to uh, smuggle Bibles into China in the 1990s, I would warn my friends when the when email became available and. Uh, I said, hey, don't email me when I'm in China because they read the emails. And people laughed at me and mocked me and thought I was just sort of a uh, conspiracy theorist guy. And it's fascinating that uh, finally, in the last several years, people have realized in America that the NSA and the government are reading your emails. So be careful what you put in emails. But the fact is, uh, with the technology and the deep state, those are people that work for the state and federal government, county government, that are are trying to control who's running this country because there are so many of them. And so they have access to everything about you and I. And that's just the way it is right now And until somebody gets control on that. But uh, basically we have a president, uh, Obama, who was not vetted at all, and everybody just said it's racist to vet him. And now we have a guy that they won't stop vetting. And uh, that's Donald Trump. Uh, the other thing that that uh, I actually I don't have a television uh, hooked up. I haven't for uh, since 1987, but I get most of my information just off various types of news reading and uh, watching YouTube now or watching the Internet. Some of the things that are said about this president are just I mean, I, I, I get it that some people, you can choose to not like somebody, uh, but it just seems like that Donald Trump is living under a different set of rules. About a year and a half into Barack Obama's uh, time as in his first uh, term, uh, I had some guys stop by my house one morning and knock on the door about 10 o'clock, and they were in the regular dress—not dress clothes, but just casual clothes— and. So when I opened the door, they're pretty good-sized fellows, and I thought maybe they were probation officers. They kind of looked like they were dressed that way, and they were working for the Secret Service, and so they asked me uh, if they could come in, and I just said, oh, well, not necessarily. I mean, what's the point? What are you here for? And so they showed me their little badges, and I said, well, you know, nowadays anybody can make one of these badges. How do I know what you're doing? So anyway, we talked for a minute. I invited them in, and uh, so they told me they had a letter from me at the at the White House, that said I wanted to kill President Obama, and uh, so I said, "Well, I said really, I said do you have a copy." And they said, "No, we don't have a copy of it. Did you do it?" And I said, "No, I, I don't." Uh, I, I said, "I don't. I didn't vote for President Obama, but I didn't. Uh, I don't. I wasn't interested in somebody shooting him, or I wasn't interested myself even." And uh, so we had a long talk. I got in uh, two long interviews with the uh, Secret Service. Because somebody, I guess, at least that was their story, they sent a letter, somebody sent a letter to the White House in my name saying I wanted to kill President Obama. So that, they were pretty sensitive to that. And so at the end of my second interview, a week later, when they came back, because they weren't convinced that I was not a, a ne'er-do-well. And uh, so they, uh, at, the, at the end of it, I asked them, I said, how often do you get threats on the president? And they said every day. And so uh, I was fascinated by that. But during this presidency, uh, different from the Obama presidency, anybody can say, I want to kill the president. I want him to die. I want somebody to run over him. I I hope he drops dead. Uh, I would like to kill him. And nobody gets in any trouble over it, right? I was kind of in some trouble. So one of the accusations that Donald Trump – Of Donald Trump is that he's a racist and it's so fascinating because the black a lot of black leaders hung around with Donald Trump before he was elected president but once he got elected president uh, all all of a sudden he's a bad person so uh, this is a a list of uh, says Donald Trump is the first racist in history to have dated a black woman he's also the first racist in history to have deported an ex-Nazi Uh, And also uh, the first racist in history that upgraded Martin Luther King's birthplace to a National Historic Park. Uh, He posthumously uh, pardoned legendary boxer Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was a great boxer, but he ended up in prison a lot because of uh, laws uh, condemning blacks and white black men, white women hooking up together and crossing state lines. So Jack Johnson ended up in prison. But they pardoned him. Uh, he's the first racist supposedly in history to kiss the Western Wall, uh, to love his grandchildren, his Jewish grandchildren. Uh, he established an opportunity and a revitalization council to restore, restore trashed black neighborhoods. He signed a major criminal reform bill to benefit. It's uh, going to benefit blacks more than other uh, ethnic groups. Uh, he loaned his personal jet to Nelson Mandela and you think, oh, well, he's, you know, some of you out there just think, oh, well, he's just a rich guy. So, you know, it's no big deal. Oh yeah. Well, why don't you loan some of your precious items around? It's easy to write off these things, but the fact is he, Nelson Mandela had been, uh, I think he did 27 years, uh, in prison for political reasons, Uh, Trump is the one president that declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel and moved our embassy there, right? Even though Clinton and Bush and Bush and Obama all declared they were going to do it, but no one ever did it. He also has overseen the lowest black unemployment rate in history. He denounced David Duke, who was involved with the Ku Klux Klan over 20 years ago, and uh, he's been given a Lifetime Achievement Award after paving the way for blacks to enter corporate America. So fascinating to me that under his leadership, <clears throat> more blacks have gone to work and the black unemployment rate has never been lower in the history of keeping track as well as the Hispanic unemployment rate. So let's see. I think we want to take a break. We're going to move in. We're going to move on to uh, I'm going to play you a couple of clips here. Uh are actually one uh, about John Stossel and how it's cool to be a communist.
8: Have you got your Che Guevara t-shirt yet? I've got mine here, isn't it cool? Except it shouldn't be. Guevara in the name of communism killed lots of people. He said, we must eliminate all newspapers. We cannot make a revolution with a free press. Aren't we Americans supposed to favor a free press? Three years later, after Guevara helped Castro take power, he said, we executed many people by firing squad without knowing if they are fully guilty. He killed people without knowing if they were guilty. And anyway, guilty of what? Believing in capitalism? Owning a farm? It's said that Che and his gangs killed thousands of people. And yet, if you go to an American teachers' union protest, you see people wearing shirts like this. Um, who's on your shirt?
2: Che. Che.
8: Che Guevara. Yeah, of course, right. Can you tell me a little bit about Che? I know
7: he's a revolutionary who fought for labor rights, and that's, that's why I have him on right now. He's a, a good role model for all of us in terms of, like, standing for the people
8: a good role model what is she thinking michael monahan writes about this for the daily beast what what's she I have no idea what she's thinking, what she because
0: the, fir- the first thing to say is uh, he didn't fight for labor rights. The Cuban government outlawed independent labor unions when they came to power in 1959. Che Guevara, you know, within a few years, set up the labor camps and the penal colonies that we saw up until we still see them now. I mean, they're slightly reduced, but, and they're not as brutal as they once were, but they're still pretty brutal. And, you know, Guevara was essentially the executioner that pulled people that were considered counter-revolutionaries and had them shot. So why is he on all these T-shirts? Uh, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. We, we have and a it,
8: picture of this famous model, Giselle Bundchen. She's yeah. wearing... Che Swimwear here.
0: Mrs. Tom Brady, uh, yeah, and I, I suspect they probably have a lot of money that would be expropriated by Che Guevara if he had the chance. No, I mean, it's become this sort of popular thing, and you see people like um, Carlos Santana, the musician, going to an awards show with a Che Guevara shirt on, not really realizing the most basic things that Che Guevara is one it's of the It's just pe- that he's good-looking. He's a handsome guy, but he was also banned music that was considered capitalist and decadent like the Beatles in Cuba in the early 1960s. So these people have no idea what they're talking about and they say, well, he's a revolutionary and, you know, he fought for poor people, etc. No, he actually required by his ideological fanaticism that a country, Cuba, remained poor from 1959 to today.
8: If you go on Twitter and talk about Cuba, people talk about, oh, they're all literate. Sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, two things you always hear is uh, literacy and health care. Um, First thing is, you know, the literacy rate, which is uh, supposedly 99%, those numbers we get from the Cuban government, by the way, and they're not a very trustworthy source. Second of all, you know, what is the point of full literacy if you are not allowed to read what you want? If you have to read the turgid speeches of Fidel and Raul Castro, and, you know, that's what your literacy gets you, if you want to go to a library in central Havana and get a copy of 1984, good luck. In 1959, when the Cuban communists took over, they overthrew a brutal and vicious dictatorship of the Batista regime. That said, the the starting point in Cuba, literacy 70 80% already, was fairly high and they didn't have too far to go but this is always what is said we'll you know who cares about lack of a free press they have health care and they have and they have a uh,
8: literacy there's this hugely popular travel guide lonely planet yes Cuba retains a refreshing preserved quality it's a space that serves as a beacon for the future universal education health care and housing are rights People the world over want a beacon for the future. It's a
0: museum of the past, is what it is. Not <laughs> a beacon for the future. The reason there are cute old cars there is because the country is bankrupt. Internet access is that is that quaint that there's no internet. We're not polluted by Twitter and all this stuff. Yet, no, they don't have access. Communism to Communism
8: is popular in in Hollywood. You've got uh, in Peru, Cameron Diaz had carried a bag with a Mao slogan on it. Yeah uh the maoist rebellion in peru killed seventy thousand people yeah the shining path i mean i like
0: i would say i'm going to cut cameron diaz a tiny bit of slack and just i chalk most of this stuff up to ignorance these people that do this tend to be you know ex- extremely wealthy wealthy and i,
8: I think if you went and took all their money and but it's collectivized also, their it's, grain it's not it's also the concept of commune we're all in this together yeah yeah well it is the
0: idea of communism is a very simple one we should all share everything, right? And then we all, you know, yeah. it's a simple thing. Try explaining sort of liberal economics, classical liberal ec- economics. It's a very complicated thing. That's what we try to do I this I know, show. that's why this show but exists. it's not
8: working. <laughs> yeah. In terms of the positive view of, ca- of capitalism, it's not just the young people who don't get it. Age 30 to 49, only 50% have a positive view. 50 to 64, 53%, barely half. Yeah. No, I find
0: myself fighting this battle all the time. I mean, you, things like globalization, which is considered this, this horrible scourge that lifts people out of poverty, have list, lifted countless millions of Indians and Vietnamese and even Chinese, so they're sort of post-communist societies, out of poverty. But, you know, global, globalization is a swear word. It's a very sort of complicated argument to get to the result, which is this stuff works.
6: Make somebody happy Make somebody,
9: happy. Make somebody, make somebody, make somebody strong
2: welcome back this is lou benninger and i wanted to tell you about a great uh, event coming up whether you're a single person or you're a couple or you got kids very fun event family oriented and uh you can just bring everybody to it and it's uh Uh, play out at the Church of Glad Tidings. They call it the Embassy Theater or Creative Light Theater. The Embassy Theater is the facility, and it's at uh, Highway 99, Eager Road in Yuba City, just north of Yuba City. You can go out the freeway out 99 and get off at Eager Road. And uh, it's going to be playing free of charge, April 10, 11, and 12, and then 17 and 18, It begins at 6.30 at night, and it's a three-act comedy. It's an original comedy. It's uh, 900 Years of, of Donkeys. It's called The Promise, 900 Years of Donkeys. And it should be a lot of fun. I attend all the dramas out there, and they are well done. You will be shocked at how well done they are. And great stage settings, great music, great production, and great acting by all mostly local people. April 10th, 11th, and 12th, and seventeen and eighteen. 630 start, no charge. And then there's one event, uh, the same play, but it's a dinner theater on the 19th of April. And uh, for that, you, you can get a table for $300 for 10 seats, or you can Get an individual or you buy as many plates as you want or seats as you want, $35 each. If you want less than $10, $300 tables or 35 If If you have a business, it's a great event to, to treat your uh, your employees to, just a fun night out or, uh, or just a bunch of folks get together, people you'd like to hang out with to go and, and share a table together at $300. Three-course meal. And all cooked right there fresh. And you get to see the uh, the promise. Three-act comedy. 900 years of donkeys. April 19th is the one, just one night. Unless they sell it out. They said if they sell that entire night out, I think they sell it maybe 40 tables plus. They might add another night uh, for a dinner theater. But, but it's free for 10, 11, and 12, April. And April 17th and 18th. Uh, so... Very fun. Well, since President Obama uh, spent eight years, uh, along with Eric Holder, his attorney general, uh, supercharging racism and where you thought, I think the hopes for a lot of folks in the United States, both black, white and other flavors, was that uh, with a a president other than white, uh, this should be really good for uh, people to be more and more harmonious, etc., etc., but it actually got worse, and I got more racist, more separatist, but I I ran across this quote by, uh, uh, I think he's a sociologist, Uh, he's a professor of sociology at Harvard University, his name is Orlando Patterson, he is African-American, Orlando Patterson, and he says this, which I found I I used to take I when I went to college trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Totally confused. I was found that sociology classes were fascinating to me. So I took a lot of them Uh, and I really enjoyed them. And I enjoyed the instructors. Uh, They were kind of they taught me to critically think about why things are the way they are. So Orlando Patterson is quoted as saying America is now the least racist White-majority society in the world. I'll say it again. America is the least racist white-majority society in the world. It has a better record of legal protection of minorities than any other society, white or black, and offers more opportunities to greater a greater number of black persons than any other society, including all of Africa. I'll say the last part again because I want you to get it. This is a guy... Uh, some of these guys uh, are just sharper than the average person. They, and I think of uh, Walter Williams, who is a uh, professor emeritus in economics at George Mason University, Tom Soule at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University, and also Orlando Patterson. They just call things as they see them. They don't have an agenda. And so uh, and certainly not all the professors at Harvard are, are uh would claim to be any, any way conservative, but at least he seems to be honest here. He says, uh, U.S. has a better record of legal protection of minorities than any other society, white or black, and offers more opportunities to a great greater number of black persons than any other society, including all of Africa. So, uh, very interesting. Now, the other thing that I find uh, significant is that Uh, There's a lot of attention and a lot of excuses for misbehavior. Uh, There's a lot of attention or coddling of Muslims in the United States right now. And there's a lot of excuses for their their crazy behavior, like when they bomb places and and do terrorist act acts. And uh, if you look around the world and I've done this before on previous shows and I've listed over a period of about 50 years, 40 years or so, all the terrorist acts in the United, in the, um, U S and throughout the world. And there aren't any Christian terrorist attacks. They're all attacks, uh, by Muslims. And, or they're just a, a person that's out of his mind doing something crazy or some sort of a genocide or, or, uh, racism, even among African tribal people. But, uh, even with the recent episode or these killings in New Zealand, uh, there was a big, uh, extraordinary amount of attention that there was an attack on mosques, but, but there are attacks every month on Christians and Christian churches, uh, in other countries where Muslims predominate and they burn them down, whether it's in Indonesia or Saudi Arabia or wherever, and nobody really gives them any attention. And and what you can just see is what what uh we didn't really understand it years ago, but with the the advent, if I can say it that way of Donald Trump, we now call it fake news. It's just it's massage news. It's not It's not impartial news. It's not the facts. It's just an agenda being portrayed to the American people. So right now, uh, the media is in love with Islam, and they cut them a deal on everything, whether they're flying bombing uh, buildings, torching churches, uh, assassinating children. I don't know if you remember when the— Muslim terrorists went into a school in in Russia, and maybe it was Chechnya, and and just slaughtered all these young children. So uh, I saw this list, and I thought, uh, y- you know, we we just stand by in America and let people trash Jewish people. I, it's fascinating to me because as a Christian, uh, I I know something about the Bible. I've been reading it for a number of years now, and and there's a history of the Jews embedded in the Bible, and it tells it all the way to the end and the, the way the Jews have suffered throughout history. But you don't see Jews uh, doing these things. They don't fly planes into buildings to kill innocent people. They don't endorse terrorism. They don't force girls that are eight and nine years old to marry old men. They don't mutilate the genitalia of females. They, they don't behead people. And they're not, their goal is not to dominate the world. They don't do stonings. They don't do canings. They don't do lashings. And they're not dedicated to destroy the get great Satan called America. That's what the Muslims call us. I want you to think about that, so when you think uh you have an attitude about Jews, sometimes it's jealousy because maybe somebody that's Jewish happens to be successful i don't it's, I think they call that racism or stereotypes in racism, but uh the Jews have always been a friend to this country, and in fact, the Bible says for those that are against Israel, they're going to have a problem with God, and so America has tended to be a friend of Israel since uh, the nation was founded, uh, or resettled—not founded, but resettled—back in 1949. So, just just a thought: Did you know that uh, you know recently when the uh, the Mueller probe? Uh, where they turned in all their documents after spending, what, was it $25 million or something like that to do that probe to make sure that our president wasn't uh, hooking up with uh, Vladimir Putin? Remember that? Did you know, uh, you talk about biased. This is amazing. They keep track. I guess there's ways to track and keep the numerical total of the number of articles that were written about the Russian probe. To focus on it and look Trump look bad. Remember how many times on television or on the internet they essentially prophesied that uh, Trump was gonna he was gonna quit. You remember hearing that he was gonna quit. They were gonna fire him. They were gonna impeach him. They're gonna do this. They're gonna do that. And uh, there were over one half million articles 530 almost 534,000 articles that were written about one topic the Russian probe along with thousands and thousands of minutes of TV and and radio time pretty pretty amazing and so uh, it just it's uh, I, I don't think we've heard the end of like all the culprits that were behind the scenes I I I actually used to believe that the IRS and the FBI and the CIA people were people of integrity that uh, you could trust, even though maybe you didn't always agree with all the internal revenue laws, but you trusted them. Uh, But actually, I don't trust them anymore. And the the fact is, the leadership of all those agencies... uh, the particularly the recent ones that were fired, are totally dirt balls and corrupt and should never be in a pos- position of authority. Those people were given fantastic authority, access to all your records. They could listen on your phone conversations, look at your emails, look at your texts, look at everything. And uh, And they actually did their very best to take down the president, a duly elected president of the United States of America, and nothing, it looks like nothing is going to happen to them. I thought they shot people like that for treason, but I guess they don't. I guess it was just something I read about, something from the early days of America. But uh, that's just the way that goes. So anyway, the next time you hear somebody say something negative about Jewish people, uh, They have been certainly a friend of the United States and and we have and they don't behave in the way. If you think that the Muslim uh, like uh, sometimes people say, oh, well, you're like if I talk about teachers that don't know how to teach or that should be fired. Oh, you're against teachers. I'm not against that at all. Right. If you if I go to a restaurant and it's a it's not such a hot meal, I'm not. Criticizing all restaurants, it just say I may not go there anymore. Right? It's freedom of choice, and so with Muslims, I have friends that are actually uh, are uh, they attend the mosque down the road from where I go to church, and they're nice people. The problem isn't the average Muslim. The problem is that there's a good deal of the Muslims that want to kill everybody else, and and they'll and they don't care whether they kill other Muslims doing it or kill children, or babies, or old people, or women, or men. They just kill people, uh, like in the terrorist acts on the Twin Towers, or just hundreds of other examples. And uh, and they want to come into the United States and change the way the legal system works. They call it Sharia law. So pay attention to that, but you're going to see more and more, like we, uh, we just saw three ladies elected to the uh, state, Uh, to the united states legislature in the last election and they're stirring it up boy they're going for it so uh, pay attention and you you'll uh you'll get your eyes open so let's see are we i've lost track of how where we are in the show do we do we need to take a break or we just keep going keep going a little bit i'm going to talk about one other thing and then then we'll take a break. locally we had a measure called Measure K that's in Yuba County and 51 cities and counties in California during the last election in November passed increases to taxes, sales taxes. They added on to the state sales tax rate, uh, to keep all that money locally, whatever the increase was. So, uh, that Tax increase occurred in all those counties and cities, whatever jurisdiction it was, that tax increase uh, began or took effect uh, a couple days ago on April 1. And uh, so I've never heard any jurisdiction, whether it's a county or city, claim uh, anything other than we spent your money really well and we're really managed managing things really well and we're, cons- we're really uh, watching every penny, and we're managing, we're, we're, we're just our, uh, you know, we have a bare budget, we're working our fingers to the bone, and therefore, we need more money, or, 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 or. And uh, that's what was told to us here in the Yuba County area, and uh, right now we have a lawsuit over Measure K, although they're charging you 1% sales tax, Uh an additional 1%. So you think, well, I'm just not going to shop in Yuba County. That's what I feel. I live in Yuba County. I live in the city of Marysville. We already pay an extra 1%. So uh, I shop elsewhere. But where you get caught is if you buy any type of vehicle that has to go through the Department of Motor Vehicles, that's where you get your license. That is not taxed where you purchase the, the item, it's you're taxed where you live. So for instance, if you you go over to Yuba City and buy some groceries or you buy some plants or you buy some concrete or you buy something, something, uh, you're taxed at whatever that that lower rate is across the bridge, across the river. But if you buy a car in Sacramento or outer Slombodia, you're going to get taxed on the rate in Yuba County. So if you buy a $30,000 car this year or two fifteen dollars cars, you're going to pay an extra $300 to Yuba County just for the privilege of being in Yuba County as opposed to across the river into Sutter County. You get that? So you're going to be paying thousands of dollars or more per year because everything you pay tax on, you're going to get an extra percent if you're buying it in Yuba County. I said all that to say this. There's a lawsuit over Measure K, and the lawsuit is contending that the county lied on the way they portrayed the tax. They lied because they portrayed it as a special tax that would be dedicated to public safety, to to endear themselves to the hearts of the voters, because people like public safety, because that's the reason we organize counties and cities for safety and protection. And we organized and we started a government so we could have police and fire. That's what we did that for back many, many moons ago. And so they 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 don't want to come out with a public public relations campaign saying the reason we need these taxes is to pay my two hundred thousand dollar salary and the pension benefits that we can't afford now because we gave ourselves too big a pensions because they know nobody would vote for money going to pensions. They say, you know, they don't. People don't. Uh, They are not against anybody having a pension, but the pensions at the state level are just too darn expensive. And they're jamming up everybody's pocketbook at the local level. Like out in front of my house, when it rains, you could float a duck in some of those ponds out there. So uh, the county hired a public relations firm to promote Measure K as as a a single-use public safety fund and it was going to be a separate fund and for that type of election you you have to win by 66 and two-thirds of the electorate of the voters but they said no that that's what we're going to use the money for but we're just going for a general tax and we only need 50 percent of the people voting for it plus one person so they passed it on that basis and now we're we're filing a lawsuit now i say all that to say this over Until the lawsuit is settled, if you're a Yuba County resident or if you're a resident anywhere and you buy stuff in Yuba County, if you keep your receipts until the lawsuit is settled, if the lawsuit uh, is f- found in favor of the population that filed a lawsuit against the county, then they're going to rescind or take back the tax and you can file and get your money back. Isn't that amazing? I've never had that ever. ever, I've never seen that before happen. But they claim the government of the state of California says if you can show us where you paid the tax, like your DMV costs and uh, and your taxes, whatever you bought in Yuba County and whatever you bought in terms of buying vehicles and things that are licensed to the DMV, wherever you bought it, all that tax could be refunded to you if we win the case against Measure K. So just hold that thought. I'm going to uh, take a break here in a second, but then when we come back, I'm going to talk about federal agencies that now admit to spending $1.2 trillion in improper payments. So when government says we've really watched your money and we're really good managers, really they're not. So we'll be right back.
9: Horowitz. Colleges are creating separate housing, graduations, and even gyms for black students and other minorities. So I went to Columbia University to find out what students think about this. Would you support segregated housing for black people?
7: I think a lot of like schools have like interest housing where like black students can like and students of color can like live
9: together. Separate so, like, from white people.
7: Yeah, that's like a normal thing at most campuses, I think.
9: And you guys are cool with that.
5: Yeah.
9: It comes from the school saying we're now gonna offer black students um, a separate housing.
5: Yeah, I would support it. I don't see a problem with that. Okay, I yeah. Well no, I would be supportive of it. Why not? I wanna be doing with people like me. It wouldn't change anything for me because I mean I would the see I'm a white person. But if they would be happy. I couldn't tell.
9: Would doing... <laughs> you support Black students having their own separate graduation?
5: I'm sure that's what they wanted. <laughs> so you'd be okay with that? Yes.
9: Separate graduation?
5: Yeah, I definitely would. Absolutely, absolutely they should have it.
9: What about um, kind of black safe spaces?
5: Yeah, I'm for that.
9: That's- so have like your own, your own space where the black people kind of separate from the white okay. people? Wow. Just several blocks away from the campus bubble in the local black community, the opinions on this issue were unanimous.
10: Why? Are you going back in time? Why are you separating? We're all together.
4: Well, I don't understand the, the logic there. I feel like that's basically segregation. We should
9: all graduate together.
11: I feel that that's segregation and that shouldn't be happening.
9: It's obviously terrible to separate people by race.
11: Discrimination like, might not be the ultimate goal, but people take it that way. Do
9: you think it's almost racist to do that? I would think.
11: It's all about social skills, and if you can't converse with people who are not of the same skin color than you, then there's no reason for you to be social at all.
9: Separating people by race at the gym? I don't even understand that. Like, what?
0: It's like white people don't get their feelings hurt when they get dunked on?
9: The landmark case of Brown versus Board of Education overturned the legality of racial segregation based on the premise of separate but equal. But did it? Really? It's going to be separate. It all has to be equal. Yeah. It could be separate, but it's got to be equal. Of course,
5: as long as it's equal.
9: If it's going to be separate, it has to be equal, though, obviously, in terms of what the housing is, the graduation.
5: Right. That would make the most sense.
9: These students are not the only people on board with this type of racial segregation.
11: Hey, I'm Chris Barker. I'm an imperial wizard for the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan.
9: Chris and his wife have their own safe space here in North Carolina, where he could be away from all those people who engage in microaggressions. But Chris is really a macroaggression kind of guy. Chris was arrested for stabbing another Klan leader over an argument about who was the most racist. There's this thing going on on university campuses where they're trying to separate black people from white people in gyms, in uh, graduations, and housing. How do you feel about that?
11: I think it's a good thing, and I also I think it's in people's nature. I mean, it's in everybody's nature to be with their own kind. People are tribal and we want to be amongst our own selves, and I mean, we're still a segregated nation regardless, and it's always going to be that way. Are you
9: glad that the left has kind of come around to your point of view?
11: It would be a good thing if the left continues that way.
9: If it is separated like this, I hope that they continue.
11: I'm pretty glad that they're doing it too. If they can stay more segregated, maybe the whites can learn their own culture.
4: I'm kinda of happy about it, truthfully. Against <laughs> smelling, you
9: know. I wonder if there's any other interesting things that you agree with with college leftists. Like do you have a safe space? Are you guys emo? Do you listen to Cardi B?
11: I don't listen to Cardi B, I don't do emo. Have you seen Black Crasmine? No, I've refused to watch it.
9: Well, well, oh, wait. I feel so good today. Uh-huh. Get it, get it, get
3: it. We just touched down.
2: all right welcome back uh this is lou benninger and we're plowing ahead here at uh no hostages radio we thank you for listening to us and uh i mentioned earlier but you may just have connected uh this is our first launch of uh this podcast and we've been at on the regular radio on an am fm gig up here in northern california we call it state of jefferson for about five years or so and So we think we're just taking it up a notch and giving you better quality. You can reach us anywhere, anytime, and uh, you can connect on your traditional apps. And you can go to our website if you want and check out the website. We're kind of building that now, nohostagesradio.com. You can come and check that out. Or you can just go to wherever you get your apps on your phone and look for No Hostages Radio. And it should all be coming together. So, we should be here weekly, or if we get really aggressive, we might add a show here and there, but at least we're going to be here weekly. That's what we did for five years. We did a Saturday show uh, up here in uh, Yuba County, Northern California. I wanted to mention another uh, business that's really helped us stay on the air, and that's the uh, plumbing doctor. They operate here in Yuba and Sutter counties primarily, but they might venture out across county lines if you're familiar with the area up here. But uh, I don't know about you, but I. I'm not, uh, I can tell when something's wrong, but I don't know always how to fix it. So when I push a lever and the water doesn't go away from me, but it comes at me, that freaks me out. And when I turn on the hot water and I look outside and steam is coming out of the ground, that's a bad sign when it's supposed to be inside. So when that happens, I call my friend Ted, who runs the, uh, and owns the plumbing doctor. And uh, you can reach them 24 hours a day at 530-671-9111, 530-671-9111. You know, the, uh, I have a friend that <clears throat> I got helped her move her family up here from San Diego, and they happened to move into downtown Marysville area, not too far from where I live. And uh, they got a really nice little place. It's very hard to rent places up here because all the forest fires and all the rentals got taken up with people that got lost their homes to the forest fire. So she was fortunate to get a home with her children. and uh, But she needed some windows replaced, and so a contractor came in, and I ran into him one day. I was stopped in over there at the house, and a contractor was just leaving with his worker, and they had just torn out the two or three big windows and kind of just nailed in the new windows but never really finished the job. And their comment was, we're coming back Monday. This is like a Thursday or a Friday. We're coming back Monday to pick up all the glass because there's little children in this family. And uh, we're picking up all the gradu, the 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 insulation and the, the rot and the, the glass from the old windows. We're picking it all up and we're finishing out the front of the, putting the trim on. And so it's been like a month and the guy never came back. He works for this rental agency. So... That's what you run into when you have these what they call independent contractors. When you call them and you, they either say, I'll be right over or be over in, you know, in the morning and you wait and wait and you wait, ho- wait at home. You take some time off work and you wait and you wait and you wait and they don't come come. And so uh, with the guys that we work for or that help us and uh, that support us and that's the Monty Hecker with the security company uh, elite universal security or Dave Greenitz with Greenitz construction or Ted Holmes with the plumbing doctor. Uh, all these guys are men of their word. And when they say they're going to be there, they're going to be there. And that's just the way it is. And when they say the price is the price, it's not going to, you're not going to get any surprises. So, um, plumbing doctor, you can uh, hook up with them at six, seven, one, nine, one, one, one. That's five, three, zero area code. Um, So I wanted to talk to you about, I'm just looking down here, trying to keep my numbers together to see where we are here. And uh, I want to talk to you about federal agencies admit to wasting trillions of your daughter dollars. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but sometimes I just look at some of these budgets and how the city of Marysville, where I live and, and other cities and counties, how they spend money and they just, And then they just come back and want more money from us. Right. Because they don't sell anything and make any money. They don't make a profit. They just get rid of money. And so I mentioned earlier that the county of Yuba wants more money because they said we're short of sheriff's deputies and we need more money for firefighting. And I'm all for that. In fact, I run an organization that supports them. And um, but I'm concerned about how they spend their money. For instance, they don't always look for the best deal. I know that. I've checked it out. And they spend 30%, 40% more for the same thing you can get elsewhere. A lot cheaper. So it doesn't surprise me when I see a headline that says, Federal agencies admit to $1.2 trillion in improper payments since 2004. I want to ask you, do you ever you ever got a check in the mail from the government and you thought, what's this for? I have never had that happen to me. I have never got a check and thought, I shouldn't get this money. What are they sending me money for? So somebody's getting a lot of money. Check this out. Since 2004, 20 of the largest federal agencies admit paying out an astonishing $1.2 trillion in improper payments. That amounts to more than one quarter of President Trump's proposed $4.7 trillion budget. That's one quarter of the budget. Now, but they say uh it wasn't all in one year, right? so the two twenty budget two thousand and twenty budget's four point seven trillion, and they wasted one point two trillion said so last year, these improper payments like two thousand and eighteen totaled one hundred and forty billion that's about twelve twelve billion dollars per month okay now, let me define improper payment federal government. The federal government law defines improper payment as payments made by the government to the wrong person in the wrong amount or for the wrong reason. Wrong got it? Wrong person, wrong amount, wrong reason. In other words, there's a lack of basic in financial controls in our biggest federal agencies. Now you know there's problems because you go over here in the DMV and you doubt a pack of lunch and maybe take a sleeping bag to get through there and get a new license. When people or companies receive money that says they don't deserve, it erodes our trust in the government. My trust in the government is gone. It, it, you know, I was, I was asking the people—I uh, forget where I was. I think I was in jail the other day, and I was asking them, if your wife or your husband cheats on you and you are trying to put the marriage back together, do you think you could ever put it back together the way it was in the beginning? And I don't think it ever gets any, I don't think it ever gets back there. It gets somewhere else. Maybe it gets good somewhere else. Maybe you can forgive each other. But once you're, how, how often do you get ripped off by government or you see waste and people stealing from government or stealing from the taxpayer before you just say, I, I just don't trust this thing anymore. That's why our founding fathers didn't want a big government because they knew there were innate problems in big government. So uh, it erodes our trust in the government, our economy, and the government's ability to finance everything from defense to health care. So here's some improper payments. See if you've had any of them. I bet some of you had. Improper payments in health care are especially troubling. In 2011, remember when Barack Obama signed the Affordable Care Act, or they call it ACA? Congress vowed to help pay for it. Remember, they were saying, how are we going to pay for this? And they said, hey, one reason, one way is we're going to root out the waste, the fraud, the corruption. You know, there's like mafia, Russian mafia that has cashing in on Medicare and Medicaid. They know how to fill out the forms and they fall, file all these false forms and they set up false corporations and they just totally rip off the government for millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, The improper payments within these programs that i just mentioned soared to 64 billion in 2012 to 85 billion today the biggest offenders across government are these health and human services internal revenue service social security administration department of defense labor and education now let me give you some examples of of money that went in the wrong way dead people Dead people. I remember my dad and mom died. uh, I had to actually my mom didn't even get to Social Security, but my dad uh, had Social Security. So the rule is when they die, you've got to cut the Social Security off immediately. Right. That's the rule. So dead people received one billion dollars in benefits from Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security and also federal retirement annuity payments. In other words, they just kept paying. They set, kept sending the money to dead people's addresses, and people cashed the checks, right? you ever get one of those checks? I never have. I've been watching the mail for somebody that might have lived here years ago, and I get their mail. It's always solicitations that donate to the Salvation Army or something. There's never any money in the, in the letter. College students were overpaid nearly $6 billion in Pell Grants and student loans. Social security recipients were overpaid by 10 billion, 6 billion, 6 million active social security numbers belong to check this out. This will just frost you. Do you know anybody over 100 years old? Think about it. I noticed a guy down was in Austin, Texas. He was one of the oldest uh, military guys. He was a black guy and he was in a special squadron and he just died. I I talked about on the radio here a few months ago. Anyway, 6 million, this just blows my mind, right? How many people do you know that are over 100? 6 million active Social Security numbers belong to people over 112 years of age. Think about that. It's rare to even meet somebody that's 100, right? But there's 6 million active Social Security numbers, and the people are 112 years or older. Uh, The problem is... People keep track of this. There's only 40 people in the entire earth that are over 112. Do you know that? Like those Guinness Book of Records? People track these people. So we got 6 million collected in Social Security over 112, but there's only 40 existing in the entire earth. Figure that one out. You think there's incompetence in government? $18.4 in earned income tax credit. Now that's one that's being violated by illegal aliens. And they fraudulently list a dozen kids on those. You know inter, you know what earned income—like, I can't get it. I don't have any kids in the household. So I, if you have a child in the household, you can get—even if you don't owe any taxes or you don't have any money coming back, you can file this earned income credit and cash in on it. They give you cash back. It's not a credit. They actually give you cash. Uh, so $18.4 billion in earned income tax credit overpayments— it said millions of low-income families who Congress designated and qualified recipients were overpaid billions of dollars. Uh, and a lot of people don't even belong in this country that are getting it. Medicaid and Medicare improperly paid $85 billion in benefits with overpayments amounted to $67 billion. It's just un- it's unbelievable. You think, when they want to raise your taxes, does this just frost you? They want to raise your taxes. And you'd think, at least they're going to try to suggest that they're spending money properly but the fact is they are not they're just they're just wasting money and uh, let me give you an example here this 140 million dollars in 2018 140 billion dollars in 2018 they they have proof that it was totally wasted let me give you an idea like what is 140 billion I can't even get my brain around it. I can get my brain around like 150 bucks. So <clears throat> $140 billion would have paid for 10 billion Netflix subscriptions or 320 million fancy bicycles at 425 each. Or at $1,000, like I have, you ever had a root canal? God forbid. $1,000, right? You blow a grand usually on those or more. You could do $140. Million root canals at a thousand dollars for what we wasted. We could <clears throat> we could put braces on twenty eight million American teenagers at five thousand a copy just fix the grills on twenty eight twenty eight million teenagers. How about this? We could do five million. Some of my friends are getting hip replacements. They wore them out. Five million hip replacements for seniors, thirty two thousand dollars each. I mean, you know. We could hire seven hundred thousand additional doctors for the Veterans Administration and fix every every veteran we got and get first class number ten service. We could hire doctors at two hundred grand each and hire seven hundred thousand of them and get everybody in urgent care. Get they'd move those veterans to the front of the line. We could build twenty-three border walls with Mexico at six billion dollars each, twenty-three of them if we just stopped the waste. Right, unbelievable. Uh, lack of accounting control—that's what—that's what's happened. The 1.3 million bureaucrats in the executive agencies earned 120 billion dollars last year, according to uh, data published by OpenTheBooks.com. Check out that website; that'll blow your mind. OpenTheBooks.com. Therefore, it says for every one million dollars in federal payroll, the agencies admitted to one point two million in improper payments. So they lost one dollar. They paid a dollar, lost a dollar, paid a dollar, lost a dollar. Just like that. And this other the one other thing that just totally amazes me. Do you remember when they talked about these veteran veteran administration hospitals and how guys and gals were dying, waiting to see the doctor? And then they told about how they they actually planned to have these people drop dead. They just kept putting them off, putting them off, putting them off. And then these executives got bonuses from the federal government for their great work. It says despite wasting one hundred and forty billion dollars, ninety nine point seven percent of the federal workforce rated themselves as highly successful. And more than one million bureaucrats received a performance bonus. Last year, I want you to just think about that the next time they want money from you. So let, let me just. Uh, we talked to we played a clip about this unplanned. And let me see if I can find this. There's a guy in this movie. When you go see the movie, there's actually a former abortionist. Plays the abortionist in the movie. His na- name is Dr. Anthony Levatino. L e v a t i n o. He's a gynecologist. He's performed about twelve thousand, twelve, excuse me, twelve hundred abortions. Early in his career, before uh, God shocked the, I can't shock, shook him down. Let me put it that way. So I don't don't get all wild here. Levatino still practices medicine. So they, they put him in this. He actually acts in this film and plays an abortionist. And, uh, he, and so this is the, the story you're going to see. So let me tell you about him. He and his wife were having difficulty. Here they, he's killing babies, and, he and his wife won a baby. so uh, But they have difficulty conceiving, so they started the adoption process. During that time, he recalled recognizing... The 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 tension between what he was doing at work and trying to have a live baby at home and, and killing babies at work. So fortunately, they were able to adopt a child after considerable effort, right? And uh, then his wife got pregnant, and they had another child. So they had a son and a daughter, and uh, and they had they thought, hey, we got the complete family, right? We got there's a husband and wife and a son and a daughter. Perfect little deal, right? However, Heather, the daughter who he adopted, was two months shy of her sixth birthday when she was struck and killed by a car out in front of their home. And it shook him to the core. And when he returned to his abortion practice, he found himself becoming physically ill after he started performing an abortion. Makes sense to me, right? He said, quote, I finished that abortion for the first time in my career of all those years and all those abortions. I looked and I didn't see the wonderful right to choose and I didn't see what a great physician I was helping the lady with her problem. And I didn't even see the $800 cash I made in 15 minutes. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter dying. Levitino said that was the beginning of the end. A few months later, the doctor stopped performing second trimester abortions, and not long after that, he stopped performing all abortions. He said, once you figure out that killing a baby the size of your hand for money is wrong, then it doesn't take you too long to figure out that it doesn't matter how long or how big, it's still your son or your daughter. It's interesting, you know when we have a certain mindset about life, how a tragedy can bring us face to face with reality. I went up and talked to a, an old cranky guy one day in the hospital. I was called up there as a chaplain to pray for this guy. And the family, they, they, I'll call him Uncle Carl, Uncle Carl was always cussing them out and making fun of them, knowing, following Jesus and going to church and mocking them and making fun of God and all that kind of stuff. And they said, Lou, he's going to die, and we're concerned about him, and could you come up and talk to him? So I went in, and, and I, they said he'd given, he, They told him he had less than 24 hours to live. He had tubes in all the holes in his body, up his nose, in his mouth, everywhere. Anyway, I went in, and I just said, hey, Carl. I says, uh, I, heard you're, I hear you're dying here in a few hours. <laughs> you know something, when, when it's the end, you could just peel back the banana on this deal, and, and you don't have to. There's no, like, introducing how's it going, what's happening, what do you do for a living. I just went in and said, Carl, I heard you're, you're out of here in, in, le- in a few hours. And I said, what do you, I said, you ready? I just said, you ready to go? bud? Because I heard he was a gnarly dude, right? And uh, that dude, all he wanted to know was he wanted some help. He wanted to figure out where he was going because it was scaring the hell out of him. And uh, we got down to business. So Dr. Anthony Levitino tragically lost his beautiful daughter at six years of age, but it brought him to reality on what he was somehow not able to connect with of killing twelve hundred children and uh, and feeling good about it. So sometimes God's mercy just helps us get to where we gotta be. Well, we're gonna take a break here and then we'll uh, we'll pick it up on the back side and we have a little clip for you. We got uh, Dinesh D'Souza's gonna we got a couple little clips that you'll enjoy and then we'll be back for the last 30 minutes or 25 minutes or so. Thanks for listening.
1: The question is um, I'll I'll rephrase it. The question is um, Isn't it true that America was contaminated by white supremacy from the very beginning and that the genocidal acts of white supremacy, like the displacement, relocation, and massacre of the Native Indians, uh, is uh, an American crime and not a partisan crime? Um, Let me answer it this way. First of all, who were the people who took the American Indians off their ancestral lands, drove them further west, enslaved the ones who stayed, killed the ones who resisted? The answer, the Jacksonian Democrats of the 19th century. They did it. Now, now, uh, the, what is the proof of this? This is very interesting. The proof of this, weirdly enough, is Hitler himself. When Hitler was sitting in Landsberg prison, Hitler had a problem, and the problem was that he wanted Germany to be a superpower in the way that Britain and France were, the superpowers of Europe. And, uh, and Hitler was thinking, we have to do this through colonialism, because... That's how the British and the French became powerful. The British run India, they run half of Africa, the French have colonies all over the world. Hitler thought Germany needs to do that. But he realized, but there's nothing left to take. All the real estate on the planet has been sort of occupied. So how can Germany become a great power? And then Hitler realized Andrew Jackson figured out how to do that in the United States. His formula was really simple. Drive the Indians off their land kill the ones who resist, enslave the ones who remained. In other words, Jackson didn't have to leave his neighborhood. He performed genocide and colonialism right at home. And Hitler said, I got to do that. I got to take a page from the Jacksonian Democrats. I don't need to go hunting for India or Africa. I'm going to take the Poles, the Slavs, the Eastern Europeans, the Russians. I'm going to throw them off their land. If they resist, I'll kill them. If they stay back, I'll enslave them. I want every German to live on a farm. This is Adolf Hitler taking a page from the book of the Jacksonian Democrats of the 19th century. Now this has been exposed very recently by the historian Timothy Snyder and others. But here's again, Hitler knows something that your textbooks have evidently not taught you, which is that this was a project of the Democratic Party to create white supremacy because Andrew Jackson stole that land, he gave it to to settlers in exchange for their votes, he sold it at bargain-basement prices, and so white supremacy becomes the foundational ideology of the Democratic Party, not just with regard to blacks, but also with regard to American Indians. So, no, this is not a bipartisan issue, this is not an American tragedy. Remember, we fought a big civil war over issues like this. One bunch of Americans did really bad things, another bunch of Americans, otherwise called Republicans, stopped them. I've been told that
10: black women aren't supposed to support the Second Amendment. I've been told I shouldn't want to be able to protect myself. I shouldn't teach my fellow students about their rights and I shouldn't speak my mind. Thank God I didn't listen. To all of those who have called me a sellout, an Uncle Tom or a pawn for someone else, here's what should scare you. I never changed my beliefs. I woke up and realized that you don't represent them. You don't speak for me and you don't think for me. I am not the victim you need me to be. And I'm talking to more women like me every single day. I'm the National Rifle Association of America and I'm freedom's safest place.
11: Because we,
0: like, when we came to America, it was so nice. It was just Indians, and they weren't even Indians. We called them that by accident, and we still call them that. Like we knew in a month that it wasn't Indians, but we just don't give a shit.
9: We never correct it. We came here, they're like, hi,
0: and we're like, hey, you're Indians, right? And they're like, no. <laughs> no, this is India, right? No, it's not, it's tolo- totally other place.
11: <laughs> you're not Indians?
0: No. <laughs> ah, you're Indians. <laughs> you're Indians for hundreds of years after. Like is. I'm
2: nothing to play with it. Cause you better find yourself. All right, this is Lou Benninger, and uh, you're listening to No Hostages Radio. We're into our last segment today, and we're glad you are listening, whether you got here at the first or you're kind of catching up with us at the end. But we uh, this is our first go-around on podcast as we came from live radio, AM-FM, and so we'll be going here uh, each week. And we just listened to a few clips Uh One was talking about how the uh, Democrats ran not only uh, persecuted or were racist with black people, but also uh, punished and uh, removed the Native Americans or what we would call in missions today, the indigenous people from their lands that uh, when Europeans came here, Uh, to settle and to start a new life. They ran into people that were here before them. It's interesting. A lot of times people never ask uh, or question like, well, how did the Native Americans, we call them Native Americans, hindsight. But at that time, they were just people living on a piece of land. Today in missions, when we find people like that, we call them indigenous people. They were people that were there. They're there. And uh, But actually, the, the folks of the various tribal groups that lived throughout the United States, uh, when it was first uh, discovered by Europeans, uh, were people that also immigrated to this area. Uh, in other words, they weren't born here initially. They, their forefathers, just like my forefathers from Germany, from one side of my family, uh, came here during the uh, 1800s. And so, at some point in the far, far past, people we know as the various tribal groups throughout the United States came here from other parts of the world as well. And it's so it's fascinating to me when we get in discussions. Uh, in like we had a debate over whether we should ha- have a tribal "quote unquote" casino here, and um, we, uh, you know, there was all these people who say, "Hey, you shouldn't call them tribal." We you can't call them Indians. They're not really Indians like we have Punjabi people here that I prefer to call Indians because they're from India Uh, or American Indians to me are the people from India. I've traveled in India. So uh, but the whole thing of, you know, my my uh, technically you should call people uh, they were indigenous people to the United States, you know, or America as we know it today. But but it's interesting is most people uh, I don't know whether you've uh, ever been told what you just heard uh, by Dinesh D'Souza of the history of what really happened uh, to the Indian people or the indigenous people or Native Americans. So when I grew up and went to school here in California, we and we learned about uh, the Native Americans that lived up and down California and the different developments of the missions and all that kind of stuff. But you never did hear about the politics of it. So it's, but there's uh, a lot of revisionist history going on uh, to twist the politics uh, to make it sound like something that it really wasn't. Uh, I wanted to mention to you also about uh, the movement in the United States to create a socialist state. So if you've lived very long, You've noticed that you have far less freedoms than we did, say, in the '50s and the '60s. Like, and in, in California, you could, you know, if you were a teenager, you could actually carry your hunting rifle or shotgun in the back of your pickup, in the back window in a rack, and go out and go hunting from school. You could actually have it in the parking lot of the school. Things have changed quite a bit. So uh, there's a fellow named Saul Alinsky, A L I N S K Y who was a mentor for both uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. I believe Saul Alinsky died in 1972, but he was a communist. And he uh, dedicated himself to uh, community organizing. You remember they called Barack Obama prior to him being a president. They said, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I'm a, I'm a community organizer. And Saul Alinsky was a community organizer and did not like uh, free enterprise, did not like capitalism. And so uh, I think a lot of people, as never before in the United States, are are having to think it through. Exactly what do you appreciate about the country? Do you like more and more freedom? Do you like the government to tell you, like anytime you, have, you want to change the door on your house and put in a new door or a new window, you have to go ask permission of the government? Or if you want to plant a new crop you may have to check with the farm beer the farm ag service the ag department of the county or it it, if you happen to think of all the things you do in life you're constantly getting permission to do this and that and the other thing it's really not too different from where i go a lot in vietnam it's a communist country and you can hardly do anything there Uh, in fact at one time you couldn't even travel from city to city without permission but now they've loosened up that but uh there's you may have seen this before, but it, it's uh, he uh, Saul Alinsky wrote a book called "How to Create a Socialist State," and there were eight eight levels of control he described uh, that must be obtained before you're able to create a socialist state. So, without even declaring war on America and our freedoms, uh, this is happening through legislation and through community organizing. And taking over local committees and commissions. And uh, it just kind of even misses the media. But in these eight areas, I'll go through them really quickly because I think it, before you can do anything about it or be concerned about it, you need to know what's shaken. So, one of the, the top ones is healthcare take control of the healthcare system. And Alinsky believed if you took control of the healthcare system, you take control of the people themselves. And what you think about the next time you go to the doctor, you remember o- Obama said, we're going to change the healthcare system, but you can keep your health insurance if you want it, and you can keep your doctor if you want them. Uh, both of those were untrue. So now we have the government. Uh, if you wonder why things are so expensive and no competition, that's because the government has its its fingers in the pot of health care and is controlling all kinds of uh, aspects of it. So without getting into too many of the details on that, I'll leave that and go to poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you're providing everything that they need. You think, wow, that's weird. Why would somebody want people to be less well off? Well, under Trump, that's one of the reasons people hate Trump is because he's actually making people more independent. If people earn their own money, have their own money, can pay for their own food and clothing and transportation and anything they want. If they want to move here, move there. If you have money, you can do that. Money, more money equals more freedom. And so if you don't have money and the government has to provide a handout to you, then uh, you are controlled by that very government because they say, if you do this and you do that, then we give you money. If you do this and do that over here, then we will not. And so that's total control. So that's about poverty. And under the Obama administration, people fell Uh, greater and greater and greater into poverty. We had the highest food stamp numbers, people getting food stamps or EBT cards in the history of the United States under President Obama. You wonder, why did that happen? Well, because he wanted to just basically uh, redistribute income, which makes everyone poorer. Third is debt, increase the debt. If you notice under both political parties, uh, we don't need to get into politics here, you can just see the debt of the United States of America rising And amazingly, and the more debt, um, then taxes increase, the more and more money you give government, the less and less freedom you have, the more that they are. In other words, instead of before uh, government took over, for instance, charity, we we called it charity back in the day, uh, nonprofits and churches took care of all that. And government was not involved in rescuing people. Uh, Communities were. So now government takes money from us, supposedly takes care of the defense, the roads, the police, the fire, and also is the professional charity givers. And they just distribute money around. Uh, and again, if people are beholden to government, then they they're going to go along with government because that's where they get fed. Number four is gun control. And so uh, I've i uh, used guns since i was trained to do that when i was 12 at that time you took a hunter safety course and then you could actually carry a gun you could carry a gun walk right down the street and nobody a cop wouldn't even uh, pay any attention to you they would just drive right by so it's remove uh, the fourth is item is remove people's ability to defend themselves from the government Uh, The way you are able to that way, you're able to create a police state. So many times people are uh, confused about the Second Amendment, thinking that the reason uh, there's a right to have guns is to protect yourself from other neighbors or to go hunting. Neither was the interest of the neither were the interests of the founders. It was simply about uh, if they needed to take over the government. They would have weapons to do so because the British government came in here and began to remove guns uh, prior to the uh, the Revolutionary War. And so they didn't want that to happen again. Number five, welfare. Take control of every aspect of a person's life, lives, food, housing, income before. uh, Again, that was. Uh, controlled or are managed by nonprofits and churches, and there was a lot of accountability. In other words, it wasn't about just doing handouts for handouts' sake, but it was helping people get up on their feet and get a job or get off drugs, get off alcohol, get their lives back together. They didn't reward laziness. They, they, uh, they helped people because God said to help people, number one. Number two is to help them get into a way where they're independent and can take care of themselves. Number six, education. Uh, People for years uh, believe that if you took control of all of what people read and listen, you take control of what children learn in school, Uh, then you control their minds, control them. And that's what's happening. You think, oh, we need public education because— we need to create good citizens. That's true. We need to have good citizens. And in, in a democracy, you have to have educated people. Otherwise, it will unravel. So but when you begin to have an agenda in the school system, like is what happening today and, and earlier in the show, I talked about some of the sex ed things are going to be voted on May 8th and 9th. This is just next month. Uh this is bad news when the education system really doesn't educate the kids properly. It teaches them what to think rather than how to think. Step seven is religion. Uh, the, the founding fathers were very careful to uh, to promote freedom of religion and freedom of belief. And uh, so Alinsky wanted to remove the belief in God from the government and schools. The founding fathers were not uh, concerned about uh removing God from government and schools. What they didn't want is to have the government to legislate one particular faith. And they they actually—the uh, initial government in the United States actually purchased Bibles— uh, to for distribution and you may or may not like that or and I think that's actually at one time ministers were funded uh, with salaries by the government we may not agree with that today but the fact is it was not supposed government and the schools were not supposed to be a spiritually free zone but God was to be honored and uh, that's why there was prayer in the schools at one time number eight uh, is class warfare and uh This was all about divide the people into wealthy and the poor and cause them to be at at each other's throats. This will cause more discontent, according to Alinsky, and it will be easier to take or tax uh, the wealthy with the support of the poor. I don't think there's been a time in our history that has been any more divisive as under the eight years with Barack Obama. We hope for better. Uh, no matter whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever flavor you were ethnically. But we really hope for better. But what happened during that time is that the the Democrat Party uh, created class warfare, whether it was depending on your gender or your sexual persuasion or your income level or whatever, whatever. They created uh, animosity and tension to create this class warfare. Alinsky felt if you could accomplish these eight levels of influence and control, you could uh, convert whatever society it is uh, into a socialist society. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to cover before we're finished here is uh, there's been this talk for now almost three years about collusion with the Russians. And supposedly, although I've not read the Mueller report, uh, there's the Mueller report basically said that uh, didn't I don't know that it talked about anybody else colluding with the Russians, but it talked about Trump, President Trump, not colluding. But th- the question is, what is collusion? And if you go, you can actually probably Google this or go on YouTube and find this. But there was a—in uh, fact, I looked at it before the show today. Uh, there's a YouTube clip of President Obama with with President of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, M-E-D-V-E-D-E-V, Medvedev. And there was a, uh, a summit uh, in Seoul, Korea, in 2012, and Barack and Medvedev did not know, Dmitry and Barack did not know their mics were on, and they leaned over to each other and began to talk to each other, and Barack said this, he said, my election, in other words, his re-election was coming up, And he says, after the election, I will have a lot more leeway or liberty and to negotiate with you. And uh, that's what we would call collusion. And now, um, if you look up Katie Tour, K-A-T-Y-T-U-R, she's a host for MSNBC. She interviews uh, Representative Francis Rooney. He's a Republican from Florida, and she was getting on him about – uh, this is in the early days of accusing Trump, and she was accusing Trump of collusion and all these Trump people who had relationships to Russia. And when Francis Rooney, although he mentions the the discussion between Obama and a Russian, was Putin, it really wasn't. It was Medvedev. Medvedev worked with Putin. Uh, but Rooney, as soon as he brought up the fact that there was this video clip or or YouTube clip of Obama and Medvedev, Katie Tour cut him off and moved on to another topic. So uh, let me just give you some examples of collusion that we've seen and aren't questionable. Collusion is when an attorney general, uh, that's Loretta Lynch, meets secretly with Bill Clinton, uh, the spouse of Hillary Clinton, when Hillary Clinton was actually under investigation. That would be called collusion. Collusion is when the media personnel— uh, Donna Brazile, who used to be one of the chairwomen uh, of the Democrat Party, is when media personnel, in this case Donna Brazile, stole the questions or provided the questions in a debate with uh, with uh, Don Trump when they were running for office and gave those same questions that were going to be asked of the candidates, uh, gave them to Hillary Clinton. So she had an advantage in the, in the debate. That's collusion. Collusion is when the— Uh, Democrat National Convention or committee conspires with one candidate. uh, That's Hillary Clinton in a primary to block the other candidates in that uh, primary. So what we saw was the the entire primary for the Democrats was a setup uh, to make sure that Hillary Clinton uh, was nominated uh, for their party, regardless of how well. Bernie Sanders did. And I think that Bernie Sanders supporters would all agree probably nearly a hundred percent that the election was stolen. Their Democrat election was stolen before, um, they even got to run against Donald Trump. Collusion is when government officials leak classified information to the media. Now that was done, uh, not only by Democrats, but Republicans. Uh, and so, uh, Congressman Schiff has done that. Patrick Leahy has done that. And John McCain out of Arizona also did that uh, to try to derail Trump's campaign. And also a collusion is when an FBI director, and in this case, FBI Director Comey, Hands out immunity to persons involved in a criminal investigation and permits them to destroy evidence and doesn't place key suspects and witnesses under oath. In other words, they interview people and they say, if you don't put them under oath, you know, then they aren't held accountable to perjure themselves. Nor records, nor records their responses in an interview or deposition. So Comey got fired by President Trump and for good reason. He is a... uh, Dishonest, and he was not a professional in his duties as FBI director. I'm always fascinated when uh, Democrats, or really anyone, goes over the top in praising somebody as a really honest person. Usually, honesty speaks for itself, and reputation speaks for itself. And it's it's to me a lot better to let the facts speak for themselves. When you have people, whether it's Brennan who's a CIA director, Comey or McCabe or Page or all these people who lied and deceived and tried to destroy uh, the President of the United States. So um, so that's real really what we're talking about when we talk about collusion. Uh, let me just as we wrap up today, I think we about got it. yeah we can go some more. okay. So um, I wanted to just remind everyone that uh, since we're coming to the end here of this session, our first session of uh, podcast, that uh, you'll be able to reach us and you can go to a couple spots, uh, nohostagesradio.com, and you can always reach us there and you could reach me uh, by communicating off that website through email, or you could just email me directly at Lou, L-O-U, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. So it's plural hostages, nohostagesradio.com. You could just, email, if you don't want to go to the website, you just want to make a comment, or you want to put me into your computer somehow, so you can just shoot something off to me, I'll get that. It'll come into my computer and i'll be paying attention i'm on i'm on email all the time all day every day so i'll communicate back with you lou at no and so i'm told as we're we're still kind of putting all this together right now this new show will go go up soon uh after we finish recording here but uh you can also go to your your favorite app source and find no hostages Radio and click on and and uh, connect with your phone system as well you can also text me at 530-713-1838 so our our plan will be to do a right now a weekly show which is will be about three hours actually we called it a three-hour show and we did it on regular radio uh live radio uh and we would do nine to noon but We realized when we did the podcast that a lot of that time was taken up with non-Lew stuff. It was like Fox Radio or Fox News and other commercials. So we have have a lot fewer commercials here. And the three sponsors we have are like Dave Greenitz Construction. As we mentioned, you can see him at uh, uh, greenitzconstruction.com. You could go to uh, another group is... Uh, the Plumbing Doctor, it's 671 530 671 And then uh, finally, uh, Elite Universal Security, and that is uh, Monty Hecker, and he can also uh, connect with you. He's in Yuba, Sutter, and all the way up to Shasta County. All you people, Butte, Yuba, Sutter, Shasta County, all you people that want jobs, you can connect with... Uh, eliteuniversalsecurity.com and just connect with them and if you want to go to work or you want to get a permit uh, a license and all your your their training to use a weapon, get a concealed weapon permit or if you want to get a live scan, you can you can go there. If anybody else wants to support us, you can contact me uh Directly by phone, 530 713 1838, or text me or any of the ways I just explained. If you want to, uh, me to promote your business or whatever you're up to on the radio, we will do that. So, this will wrap up our first podcast. We thank you for listening and uh, we'll put the word out. You can put the word out to your friends who might wonder what happened to him. He's been gone for months. What happened? And this is what happened. We're back. And so we'll be at this until uh, God will something else. So have a good day, and thank you
3: for listening.